The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Tristan Pantorato, Wilshire, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Pixel.Wav, Austin Reynolds, Pedro Marquez, and CubeDude22. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. But uh, yeah, anyway, Mike, I think that that is why the phrase live, laugh, love will become the battle cry of the millennial generation. Love, laugh, live. Live, love, laugh, life. <laughs> live, laugh, life, live. Neil, we're live. We're live. We're live. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Sorry about that. Have you ever been to a house, though, where uh, where they have a lot of those sayings written everywhere? Uh, I, I Yeah, I think I've been to a couple and it's not... It's terrifying. Yeah, it's a little terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. But uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. And we're talking today about a video game very heavily rooted in the father and son uh, tradition. Uh, last weekend was, of course, Father's Day. But Mike, you have a little bit of a question about Father's Day. Uh, why don't you uh, hit me with that question? Well, yes. You know, of course, this is a Father's Day type episode. We have James McLeod, mm-hmm. father of Fox McLeod. Not sure why he had like a normal human name. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then Fox just got Fox, uh, which was a interesting move there. But uh, either way, uh, glad to see that James McLeod is a strong father figure in Fox's life. <laughs> but no, I was wondering, for my parents at least, Mother's Day and Father's Day have both now passed in North America. Uh, I'd say every other year, maybe, I get my parents something, you know, an actual okay. gift. And other years, I'll just get them the card. I usually, I always get them a card. I think a card is always nice. Okay. But the gifts are always kind of like, you know, if I find something that works for either okay. of my parents, I'm not going to go out and just buy them some... Lawn ornament. Yeah, some, yeah exactly. <laughs> something that, that they're never going to use again. I, I yeah. And I kind of like that about those days. What about you, Neil? Where, where do you stand on the gift giving for Father's and Mother's Days? Well, I like that tradition in general, just like getting people gifts as you see something that you think that they'll like, as opposed to feeling anchored to the the standard holidays, the birthday, the Christmas. And then we have these other ones where we've got, you know, Father's Days and Mother's Days and maybe Easter, which we've talked about on this podcast. But for me on the, uh, the parent holidays, I have pretty much always gotten my parents something, including the card too uh i liked it when we were kids like in school and we'd make those little did you do those like the um the coupons where you'd give your parent like a book of like <laughs> i'll make your bed for free this weekend or yeah, it's like yeah. they never used they never cashed those things in that was a waste of bloody glue i just got a weird memory from like back in childhood you probably remember this because we went to the same elementary school remember going to like this like christmas fair almost oh in, yeah in the school where just a bunch of tacky gifts yes. that you could buy for your parents. <laughs> I completely forgot about that until just now. I don't know if anyone else listening had that experience when they were in uh, elementary school in like, you know, maybe grade five, you know, you go to this, uh, this little, I think it was in the library that we did it. Yeah, they decked out the library with tables of things. Like, this table is good for moms. This table is good for dads. This table is good for siblings. This table is pretty good for grandparents. And it was basically just dollar store things, if I remember correctly. Maybe Zeller's, which is like our target, I guess. Like, a Zeller's product of some kind. But yeah, you're. it's funny because like your parents would give you like $40 and then... 
you'd split that buy like eight, crap <laughs> yeah basically to like buy crap back for them but they never did that for any of the other holidays it's funny thinking back to the mother's day crafts that we did where we would do like bouquets of flowers and those little coupon books and by the time like i have so few memories of making anything for father's day in school well, because school was basically already out i was gonna say at that point the teachers had completely <laughs> checked out at that point <laughs> like maybe you make like a baseball out of like paper mache or something but like nothing to the extent that mother's day was in mid-may when it's like the teachers just needed something so they could go out for a for a smoke break or something but yeah by by <laughs> june they had completely checked out so father's day like no dad's got any great Father's Day arts and crafts. But yeah, I try and get my dad something every year. Typically, we do nice. baseball tickets, but... That's a good one. Yeah, that's the easy one. My dad loves baseball, so every year... I basically get my dad the same thing for Christmas. It's tickets to go see the Marlies, which is the Toronto Maple Leafs farm team. And then for Father's Day, we get him tickets to see the Buffalo Bisons, which is the farm team for the Jays. Uh, but he went ahead and bought himself Bisons tickets this year, <laughs> so I'm not sure what we're doing. <laughs> so yeah, he threw a wrench into our plans there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, I like gifts, especially for those kind of pseudo gift holidays like Easter, Father's Day, Mother's Day. Yeah, where it's not actually a physical gift. It's mm. like you know, take my dad to yeah, like a ticket or something like that. Love those. Speaking of money, speaking of mm. buying things, um, I was recently at a grocery store as I as I often am at to buy some food and beverages and other things and. I came across something I had not seen in a long, long time, which was a coin-operated uh, grocery cart where you have to put the coin in yeah. to allow it to kind of release from the other carts, and then you can take it on its merry way. I haven't had that in so long, Neil. Really? Have you been a basket guy? What have you been doing? No, I just – every grocery store I go to in Toronto, uh, they always have carts that don't require uh, a loony or a quarter or something. Yeah, the, the Looney is a huge upgrade. I remember when they some some stores started doing that. For the longest time, it was a, a quarter. Most places you go to, it's still a quarter. But yeah, like when, when you go to a place and it's like, yeah, these are a dollar to use these carts. It's like, F off with that. I'm not putting a – I don't have a Looney on me right now. But you get the Looney back. <laughs> I know, but like I don't have one on me is my issue. Like, And that's my thing. Like that's why I was so shocked to see – like this cart there, I was like, oh, is this this like a, a relic cart? You know, because all the other carts were <laughs> were not the loony ones or the the, mm. the quarter ones. They're just normal carts. But hey, I guess where I uh, and I'm not shopping in any rich stores, mind you. This is not some <laughs> <laughs> some some rich area that I'm shopping in. Just your normal Canadian grocery store, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it was funny to see one. Now, is your issue that that you just had to pay, or you just haven't seen one in a while? Was that your issue? It's both. It's the fact that I haven't seen one in a while, and also you know my frustration because I was like, I don't carry money quarter with me uh, i honestly don't carry coins with me at all yeah you could ask me for a 20 dollar bill for that cart and i'd still be like i don't i don't know what to tell you can i tap <laughs> on to take this cart because yeah. we're gonna be here for a long time i i try and do a lap of my grocery store before i go in i kind of do like a mm. crescent moon lap just to see if someone left a cart because there's always like a bunch of dead carts in those bunches where like coins don't work anymore and the chains have ripped off or whatever so uh no one puts coins in them anyway so i try and see if i can grab one of those because yeah i don't carry change with me i might keep some in my in my uh cup holder in my car or something but one thing i won't do at a grocery store though is if i'm bagging my own groceries i don't pay for bags that's for damn sure <laughs> oh yeah okay yeah yeah that, that's my I, absolute favorite is i mean the... i i try and always bring canvas bags just exactly. because i like have them basically at the door it's hard to forget and i also have them in my car a lot of times too but yeah the, the times that i'm just like casually going to the grocery store yeah, yeah i don't i don't pay for the bags anymore. no, yeah, no I'm, I'm doing it myself yeah, like the little the little com cents. the little computer voice is like, how many bags did you use today? It's like zero, and then just whoop, 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 you whip them off. 
I remember when I was in I was in Edmonton last year, and uh, my girlfriend and I were at a Dollarama, and we had to buy paper towel, and they were like, "How many bags did you use today?" And I was like, zero, and I ripped one off, and we left. And she was like, "You just stole that bag from that Dollarama." I'm like, "We're thousands of kilometers away from where we live right now. Do you think this Dollarama is going to care?" <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, re- I refuse to pay for bags when I'm when I'm the one who's working in that grocery store. Neil, how dare you take that grape? I'm going to make you pay <laughs> that three cents for that grape that you just ate. COVID may have killed the grape industry in general because of the uh, inability to sample them now. <laughs> Mike, Ira Bell from Patreon writes in today with a Patreon topic. Listeners, remember, if you want to submit your Patreon topic for an opening segment, like what we've talked about today with uh, Father's Day and paying for grocery bags, uh, you can do that too by supporting us at the $5 level. You also get your name read in the credits at the beginning of the show. Ira Bell wants to know, One day, you both open your eyes and you discover that you are both pro-wrestlers. But great news, you get to determine the things around this new reality. And then iRebel gives us a bunch of basically a build-your-own-character challenge here to Mm, fill in, Mike. So so we're basically in like a Ready Player One kind of situation here where we're in a world where you and I are both 300-pound steroided-up men and uh, (laughs) we're wrestlers for some reason. So we have to come up with our own character stats, essentially. So we have like names and catchphrases and everything. Okay, okay. I have my... uh, my wrestler card here ready to go so if you want i can go first let's check out neil's wrestling card for wwe 2k23 i don't know (laughs) (laughs) this is actually a pretty good idea for a movie i'm surprised that no one's tried this yet maybe this is the uh the beginning of it okay i'll I'll, I'll ask you i'll start this off neil for you uh i'll ask what's your ring name i'm gonna have to go with indigo Wavebird. i love those two words they're kind of cool they're uh i don't really know like i don't i don't know how to like make my name into a wrestling name i'm not gonna go with like neil the flying dutchman gilbert or something weird uh <laughs> indigo, indigo, indigo Wavebird. that's me indigo <laughs> Wavebird. that is my uh alter ego and what music do you come out to gotta be hero by uh, nickelback featuring josie scott from the hit movie spider-man what part specifically are you looking for right there right at the chorus i'd probably okay. have to go with right and at the they say that a hero <laughs> could save us that's a great i i would actually you know what the whole song fireworks just <laughs> oh, oh you make the audience listen to all three minutes and yep. me as well waiting in the ring there okay <laughs> awkwardly for five minutes just standing there waiting for the next guy he's waiting in the dressing room to come out yeah are, are you and i are we a team or are we individuals in this yeah that's Arabelle's next question here. If we're teams or individuals, I definitely work alone, Mike. But uh, what I like, I like this idea is that I come out on the stage, but I'm carried out by a swarm of Canadian geese. <laughs> and they say, that's just like, hero. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Canadian geese are the most intimidating creature on this planet. So I, yeah. I, my thing is, though, when we're wrestling, I don't know what the geese are doing. Like, is there someone who's like taming them back into their cages? <laughs> or maybe they're just allowed to roam free in the, uh, in this, in the Thunderdome, as it were. That would be really scary for the audience but uh are we rivals are we rivals neil you see i like the idea of you and i having like a spider-man and venom situation here where like most of the time we're rivals but every so often we team up and fight some other greater uh, evil okay i like that yeah, yeah i'm down for that i'm down to be the anti-hero in this uh, in this case oh you can be the venom okay that's fine yeah i'll be spider-man i'm down okay, with that okay. i can take that what is your finishing move and what's its name yeah. Oh, what's its name? That's a tough one. See, my finishing move is a straight down pile drive. Uh, I, I, I think that's what it's called. Basically like the elbow down. Uh, but every time I do it, the sound guy has to be on the ball here. Uh, he has to do the GameCube startup sound so that by the time I hit my opponent, it's like when the ball drops on the GameCube logo. <laughs> so I'll call it the, the GameCube logo of death, I guess is the name of it. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Do you have a manager? 
Yeah, okay, so I had to think about this for a while, and I don't know, but I love the idea of, like, my mom being the wrestling, my wrestling manager, <laughs> uh, but she, like, like her whole, I guess, thing is that, like, she thinks it's just a cute hobby that I have, kind of like this podcast, and the whole, the whole shtick would be, like, she would come to all of my matches, she'd be, like, in the front row, but, like, she is not, she doesn't care, she's, like, a parent at a kid's swimming lesson, like, she's, <laughs> oh my God. like, she's reading a book, like, but, and, I like, I just, like, the, can imagine that. <laughs> I love that, and the best part is, like, she leaves, like, before the match is over so she can catch the early train, like, you know, those people people at sporting events that do that <laughs> that's she my manager is she my mom. stayed for her kids she, yeah. she leave. <laughs> exactly uh, yeah and uh what is your catchphrase i'm taking steroids <laughs> <laughs> i like that you're going for the 300 pound man here steroided up i'm gonna explain my character after this last couple of questions here okay. but um uh what would be your controversies of course wrestling is all about the storylines mm-hmm. and for you what would be your kind of controversial storylines that you would have okay i'm not too familiar with like wrestling controversies i don't i don't like to be fair i haven't watched wrestling since like the 90s and even back then i wasn't too familiar with what the controversies were uh but uh, i have a few that i'd like to kind of live up to and th- these sure. are i get kicked off of every flight i ever go on <laughs> I storm McDonald's yelling, bring back McPizza, and then promptly leave. <laughs> I like that. I, like, I, I can see this like this being shown on the Jumbotron yeah. before you're matching people. Like, boo. Yeah, because like, I go to their hometown, like McDonald's, all of them, like the day of the match, <laughs> and I just like trash talk the 15-year-old stoner behind the counter. My, my, final, my final controversy is that one day when I die, I will have a bunch of items on me. So basically, I'm going to die in this freak accident caused by cats or something. Uh, I'll have on me a map of Nunavut, a GameCube with three batteries, so it's missing a battery, and there's going to be a copy of Dragonheart in there, <laughs> an expired box Why? of Tic Tacs, a wallet with a Dave & Buster's play card and my high school student card in it, and a receipt of a dry cleaner from New York City, so that for the rest of time, there will be podcasts about me of people trying to figure out what the hell I was doing when I died. This uh, this week on True Crime Podcast, we're going to talk about Indigo Waybird, a.k.a. Neil Gilbert, and his tragic death in Nunavut. There'll be a decade later, people still won't know how I died. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have no idea. <laughs> And uh, your wrestling style. What would be your wrestling style? Uh, I'm always fresh. (laughs) (laughs) You're just an always fresh fighter. I don't know what that means. (laughs) I don't know. And uh, what are your taunts? You look like a fan of Star Wars Episode Eight. Oh, (laughs) in the heart. Oh, Oh, yeah, right there. Right there. Sorry about that, Mike. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) Well, I think it's time for you to ask me some questions about my character, Neil. Okay, Mike Lane, you've woken up. You're now a wrestler. What is your ring name? Here comes the spice comes orange the dandy. <laughs> <laughs> bow, 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 bow. The spice orange dandy. So you also went with the GameCube uh, naming convention. Yeah. Convention, yeah. <laughs> I did, I did. And what music do you come out to? Well, I'd like to take another Simpsons cue here and, and come out to Why Can't We Be Friends? <laughs> <laughs> the Smash Mouth version. Oh, uh, good. But, uh, you know, if uh, it, it, that's usually to the people who I just want to I just want to have a good time with uh, okay. in the ring. But, you know, if I'm facing my rival... Indigo Waybird. I come out to Roland, obviously. Oh. And all of Rolling, of course, or just like the beginning? Well, no, with the extended dance mix of Roland. <laughs> <laughs> so eight minutes long, maybe. And we're both standing awkwardly looking at each other for eight whole minutes. Now just we're staring. In your world, are we uh, are we team? Are we a team or are we individuals? No, we're individuals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're I've had restraining orders from multiple teammates, so I gotta I gotta stay low. You know? Oh, good. Okay, that that's cool. Do I? Have, uh, I guess I might have a restraining order against you too. That's good. 
Uh, and are, in your mind, are we rivals or are we friends? We're rivals, of course. You know, yeah. I, I'd say that we are the big rivals. We're the ones that everyone wants to hype up. That This is the matchup that people have been waiting for for years. Okay. And, um, you know, Neil is, uh, our Indigo Waybird, sorry, is uh, is far superior. You're you're the 300-pound roided man. But right. for me, I'm just me. I, I, I am my 170-pound <laughs> self, uh, you know, looking good feeling lucky sometimes and i feel like you know you should win every time but somehow i end up getting the upper hand i don't win but right i don't lose you're having a good time you're the wrestler there who's having the most fun i appreciate that yeah exactly <laughs> you're like you're like the timbits hockey of wrestling <laughs> and uh what is your finishing move and what is its name my finishing move is called the Lynx Crossbow Training, <laughs> and it's a pretty good one. You know, let me tell you how it works. So I bring a TV on stage. Wow. All right, uh, on, in the ring, and I slowly go through the tutorial with the Wii Zapper <laughs> okay. uh, about how to use it, but I keep messing up every time, rendering my opponent frustrated and powerless. So you bring out a full working CRT TV, a Wii with the little sensor bar the remote hopefully there's batteries in those remotes because that's a pain in the ass if i would take out one battery to make them extremely frustrated oh that's frustrating you're one of those guys okay cool and and do you have a manager i do my manager once again wheeled on the tv uh on the in the ring uh it would my manager would be rocky four just random clips <laughs> from rocky four that's kind of where i would get my advice from that's the one with uh, that's the one where they go to Russia, right? That's Rocky yeah, that's with, uh, yeah, yeah. Ivan, Ivan uh, Drago. Drago, that's a, yeah. That's a good one. Now, yeah. I, I picture you having like one of those TV stands from uh, like grade school again. <laughs> I, that's exactly what I'm picturing. It's like the yeah. black wheeled in TV stand. The TV is strapped down in case there's ever an earthquake. <laughs> <laughs> What's your catchphrase, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hold on. My catchphrase is, who's that Pokemon? It's Pikachu. Now, does someone say, who's that Pokemon? Like, the whole audience has to, no, the whole audience chants, who's that Pokemon? And you're yelling, it's Pikachu. It's Pikachu. And yeah. they're like, yeah, let's go. Get the whole audience involved. Pikachu like 316. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you have to have three controversies around yourself. So uh, what are your controversies? Well, um, the wheeling TVs in the ring is probably pretty controversial for at least like two or three reasons right there yeah the fans they don't like that time i did a live unboxing video in the ring <laughs> and then proceeded to box my other rival uh in there uh my other rival being triangle circle cross square man mm. which uh you've also gone up against in, yeah. in previous fights yes i ate him you ate him. <laughs> and uh i don't think they would like my rivalry with our other other rival xbox series death Ah, okay. Uh, because lately we've just been playing Xbox Game Pass in the middle of ring with that CRT TV, and fans want blood. They want the blood. That's Ramon's character in this uh, in this reality, I'm assuming. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> very nice, very nice. And what is your wrestling style? Ooh, my wrestling style, I would call it kind of the, the Jar Jar Binks style, like the mm. drunk karate. Uh, I forget oh. like the ex exact name of that, like actual martial arts style because it is a real thing but that 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 would be mine right i'm just kind of flailing around okay my opponent thinks that they have me at any moment ready to strike but oh boom just kick him in the leg it worked for him he took down several of the trade federation droids that day <laughs> that's right <laughs> and what are your taunts if you have any i would bring some scooby snacks into the ring i'll ask neil if he wants some and then i eat them all where's your scooby oh, snacks no. now Oh my God, that that that's a whole layer. So you've gone through like a whole production of of Scooby Stack making just to just to make me angry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just kind of hand it to you, take it away, eat it, and then the crowd goes wild. That would drive me nuts. I don't think I could wrestle after that. 
We'd have we'd have to I'd have to listen to all of Hero again just to recover. <laughs> My style basically just frustrating the opponent to death. <laughs> Sometimes that's the best form of offense, Mike. And finally, Irabel wants us to put together a promo that we've each put together, uh, basically against one another, sort of insulting each other. But I think to do this, Mike, we're gonna have to do a little bit of post production uh, to make it sound good. So we're gonna cut right now to my promo against you, and then your promo against me, and then we'll let the listeners decide who's got the better one. Ooh, I like that. Let's hear it. All right, Victor, hit us with those sweet promos. Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday at prime time, two p.m. on Spike TV. Sorry. Paramount Plus. Watch Indigo Wavebird versus me, the Spice Orange Dandy. One man will be unmasked and killed in the ring. Kids' tickets are still just 15 bucks. After years in jail, I've finally been allowed to be released into decent society. Indigo, you better get ready for the pain I'm going to deliver to you. The pain of replacing remote battery. Get ready to struggle as you attempt to start a game without a sensor bar. <laughs> Watch as I bake Scooby Snacks and for those who want to see certain death, tune into the fight of the year, the decade, the millennia, and decide which indeed is the ultimate GameCube color. Many, many seats are still available, so please get your tickets now. This Tuesday at 2 p.m. only on Paramount Plus, Mike and I are going to give our handful of fans the fight they have been waiting for. Mike, if you're listening, I want you to know I'm going to take your belt, your GameCube games, and the cover of WWE 2K23 from you this year. You probably still play Guitar Hero on easy mode, and I guarantee you still cut all the crust off your toast before spreading it with nut-free peanut butter. You are the guy at the arcade who plays the water skiing game, and your favorite season of Spongebob is Season 10. The garbage man knocks on your front door every Monday to see if you are ready to get in the truck now, and your neighbors think you are probably some kind of OnlyFans streamer for furries. This Tuesday, when we finally throw down, I hope your mom is watching, because that will mean our viewership is up 100% since our last pay-per-view fight, and we really need the numbers. Indigo Wavebird, out. Wow, those were some good promos, Mike. <laughs> oh my god, both of those. Well, I mean, obviously mine was better, but uh, sure. we'll, we'll, we'll see what the fans have to say in the <laughs> ring. Very nice. I, Rebel, thank you so much for writing in this week. And listeners, remember to write in on Patreon if you have a topic for us. There's also a free way to write into us, Mike. It's our big episode of the month. So I think it's time for our favorite segment. That's right, Neil. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to be featured in the mailbag segment, you can do so by writing into us on any of the social media platforms that you follow us on. We will read them on the big episode of the month. You can also DM us on Discord if you choose to do so. Just like Mike, who's the first write in today? Well, we did have this nice, lovely letter here from Henry Piavani on Instagram sending us snail mail through Instagram. Wait, that doesn't work, but... Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> he says, hey, I recently found your podcast whilst browsing for a Shrek songs playlist in Spotify. <laughs> what? This is amazing. <laughs> and I stumbled upon your Shrek game episode. I gave it a listen, and since then, I've not stopped listening to your podcast. I'm slowly playing catch up with all your past episodes, but I usually go through one to two a day. Just wanted to drop you a message to say what a great podcast you guys do. Not only am I in it for the nostalgia, but you guys really do find interesting aspects of these games to talk about. Keep up the great work. That is not a way that I thought anybody would ever find our podcast. That's incredible. I, I, I too <laughs> also, so okay, cool. every like once or twice a year, I'll say it myself here, uh, Henry, I, I look for Shrek songs or Shrek playlists as well. <laughs> That's right. And I'm really happy that our name is now associated forever with Shrek. <laughs> 
synonymous. It goes us, then like Mike Myers, the Shrek. That's uh, <laughs> right up there. Those playlists are bangers, though. I, I will say that. Jonathan Ross from Instagram says, just want to say, I'm always looking forward to the next episode. I tell everyone that this is my favorite podcast, and I listen to a lot of podcasts working night shift. Love this podcast. Thank you so much, Jonathan. I really appreciate that, and that you're sharing us with all of your uh, your work colleagues. That's really cool. Uh, as Mike and I have said before, we both listen to a lot of podcasts ourselves when we're working, and uh, after working many, many uh, weird jobs in our high school and college years, uh, podcasting got us through a lot of long shifts as well. So glad that we can uh, glad that we can make your nights a little less boring. A little less boring. I'm always happy to hear that. AJ Olson eleven comments uh, and writes on Patreon actually. And says, love the episode, guys, uh, responding to the uh, Super Mario Strikers episode where we talked about the top 100 list. And mm. he says that the thought I thought the top 100 list was very fun to listen to and that the Super Mario Strikers portion was great. I did want to add that I couldn't help but think about a game me and my brother played a lot that you guys should have mentioned. Ooh, Mario Sports Mix on the Wii oh, uh, and digitally later on the Wii U. I know the sports in it are not a full-fledged standalone games for this each sport like we would all like, but that game has Mario hockey and basketball in it, as well as volleyball and dodgeball. That's right, it does. Um, again, I know that in the episode you both describe how they should make a standalone Mario hockey slash basketball game. I would love that as well, but you both might be interested in Mario Sports Mix to scratch that itch a little since it has very fun arcadey hockey and basketball games in it. Yeah, I have heard of the Mario Sports Mix games on on Wii and then uh, Wii U as well digitally, I believe. And I think on 3DS there was a version too. I thought we mentioned that in the podcast. I had it in my notes for sure. I might have just missed it. I would love to check those sports mixes out. I'm sure that they're pretty good. Mario sports games in general, including the mixes, are always great. Like the uh, the Mario Sonic Olympic games are typically pretty high quality as well. AJ, I would love to check out that game, but unfortunately, as I said last week, I don't have a Wii set up, and I'm way too lazy to, <laughs> to set my Wii back up again. And uh, Not your Wii U, though. Oh, Mike, the Wii U died the day that Smash Bros. Ultimate came out. We all know that. So, That's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I do know that the basketball and hockey uh, modes are in those games, and I would love to check them out at some point. I'll probably have a Wii set up eventually, so if I can find that game for cheap, I probably will uh, try to check it out. So thank you for the recommendation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, thank you for that. And finally, we have CubeDude22. Cube Dude wants to say, just busted out my old copy of Donkey Konga and my bongos with my fiance yesterday. We had a blast. The song selection for the game has aged really well with some fantastic songs to play along with some really fun weird ones too. Thanks for reminding me how fun the wacky game was. Of course, referring to our Donkey Konga episode that we did a few weeks ago. That's right. Yeah. Always, always great to see people being able to bust out their their Donkey Konga drums, their little Congo drums and uh, or bongos, I should say, and have a good time playing with those uh, with that soundtrack. I love it. And I love the mailbag segment. But Mike, that's all the letters that we have this week. So I think it's time that we jump into the episode at large. What do you say? Sounds good. Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 102 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 450 games. You can visit thegamecubeiscool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Peppy did not help. 
Pepe's retired, as we uh, we will talk about very soon. Uh, last week, we looked back on our first 100 episodes of the GameCube Was Cool podcast, uh, things that we've learned along the way and our plans for the next 100 episodes. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we're going back into the GameCube library with one of our favorite Nintendo franchises of all time, Star Fox, with the GameCube classic, Star Fox Assault. But before we talk about the last good Star Fox game, Mike, let's talk about the series a little bit uh, and our memories of Star Fox and his team. Star Fox and his team, of course. I mean, the original Star Fox on the SNES back in the day. And we did talk about Star Fox already a bit on this podcast. There wasn't a full-fledged episode. It was with uh, Cube of War, Eternal Darkness, and Star Fox Assault. Honestly, all three of those could have been their own episode. I was going to say, why? what were we thinking? <laughs> well, you know, back in, it was episode 13. We were young, Neil. We didn't know what we were doing yet. Uh, yeah, we'll have to think about that at some point, revisit those. Yes, but we, uh, we did talk about Star Fox Adventures a bit, so we won't be covering it too much here it'll just be an assault episode but yes of course ness is the infamous and or just famous star fox and that's kind of where most people started off with and then we had the amazing and our favorite neil star fox 64 and that's kind of what redefined the uh the game and basically every game that's come since then has either tried to go completely different or just make the same Star Fox 64 again. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. And even Star Fox 64, in some ways, is like a reimagining of the SNES game, yeah. too. Like, it, yeah. it's very much like just rehashing the same story again and again. Uh, Star Fox, the first game, was released on SNES back in 1993. If you live in PAL regions, you probably know the series more familiarly as Starwing or the Lilat Wars. Uh, I don't know why Star Fox was not the name out out there, but uh, yeah, I I remember seeing that for the first time when I was watching an N64 collection video of someone who lived in Finland, I believe, and uh, he had the big, beautiful Star Fox 64 box on N64, and it was uh, Lilat Wars was the name of it. So I thought that that was yeah, I thought that was really cool. But since 1993, we've had uh, we've had eight different Star Fox. Sorry. Since uh, 1993, we've had several different Star Fox games appearing on six different home and handheld consoles uh, for a total of six Star Fox games, being the original in 1993, Star Fox 64 in 1997, Star Fox Adventures in 2002, Star Fox Assault in 2005, Star Fox Command in 2006, Star Fox Zero slash Star Fox Guard in 2017, unfortunately. And finally, we got Star Fox 2, which is technically an SNES game that was released in 2017 on the Super nintendo classic uh so six star fox games i have played all of them except for star fox command on ds star fox is like one of the franchises that i have the biggest love-hate relationship with in the nintendo's library mainly because star fox 64 is one of my favorite video games of all time but nothing that's come out around it has lived up to that uh quality in anywhere close in my opinion i think star fox assault is probably the second best one we'll talk about that a little bit more today but it's it's quite a drop from uh, from 64 to Star Fox Assault. I've been playing this series since I was about eight years old. We started renting Star Fox 64 from Blockbuster. This was the one that my family rented week after week, pretty much. <laughs> like every holiday, every birthday that came around. So eventually, I think my parents were like, let's just buy this damn thing. And they did, luckily. So we played that to death. I love the branching paths. I love the banter between the characters back and forth. It's aged beautifully, too. It's one of the few N64 games that I recommend folks out there check out in 2022. And we've even had a remake on 3DS, which was back in 2011. That's a really, really good. It's an amazing, yeah, it's basically the exact same game again with some up, up-res vi- visuals and a, a better soundtrack. I think that they might have orchestrated everything for that game, but I, I can't remember now. It sold pretty well, and I own that uh, that game as well. 
And I remember years later, basically when we were in college, maybe, friend of the show John gave me a copy of Star Fox on SNES. And at that point, I hadn't played it before. And it's kind of weird going back to that game now because, like, yeah, yeah, it, it hasn't aged particularly well. It's kind of like going back to old music, like someone showing you a gramophone and you being like, that's really cool. It's not better than Spotify, you know? Like, it's kind of like one of those things. It's kind of how I feel almost about going back to, like, F-Zero or something yeah. like that, you mm, know? Okay. Playing that on the SNES because, like, this is clearly a very good game. Uh, and honestly, and the same with, like, even Link to the Past, which is, I'm sure people are going to be like, what? It's an amazing game. And it is an amazing game. But the thing is, is, like, Zelda has come so far since then. And with Star Fox 64, like you said, it's it's very much an iteration on the SNES version. And it really just does everything better, in my opinion, at least. Oh, sure. And, and and obviously, it's, like, you know, much more 3D and, like, the graphics and everything. It looks like you're playing a little bit more of a modern game where the 1993 Star Fox is very much like, yes, this is a 1993 game. Yeah. Like, this is a SNES game, like, from back in the day. Attempting to pump out 3D visuals on a console that really wasn't developed to do that. They did have the Super FX chip, which helped. A lot of games did use that technology to the SNES's advantage. Uh, it, it, it's still way ahead of its time for 1993. Oh, it's still and, an amazing game. Don't get yeah, me wrong. <laughs> it's, it's really cool. And like the sales for Star Fox on SNES were the same as N64. They both oh, sold approximately 4 million units. They both rank about an 88% on Metacritic. So they're both beloved and sold equally as well. And since then, it's really been a steady decline for the series. Uh, Star Fox Adventures selling 1.8 million units. Star Fox Assault selling about 1. Star Fox Command selling half a million. Same thing with Star Fox Zero, about half a million. And the Star Fox 2 on the SNES Classic, a little harder to tell how many of those copies technically count as sales, but I believe the SNES Classic sold about 5 million was what I could find. Uh, but the sales numbers for that console are really weird and hard to track. So all in all, the Star Fox series has only sold 12.8 million copies, uh, plus the SNES Classic, technically. And not counting Starlink. Not counting, oh my god, no. Not going to talk about <laughs> Starlink today. Uh, but that's not counting Starlink's, Starlink sales either. But all in all, Mike, Star Fox as a series has sold less physical copies than Pokemon Arceus has in the last two months. That's actually really crazy to think about. Yeah, it, I mean, Star Fox gets kind of lumped in for me in terms of popularity for sales with Metroid and Pikmin. Yes. It's the same thing. 100%. But it's funny because Metroid and Pikmin are these extremely critical, critically acclaimed masterpieces for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like, other than Hey Pikmin and other than um, <laughs> Other M, you know, you're you're really looking at these, like, amazing games that everyone loves. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's really interesting with Star Fox because it they do keep making them although they haven't made one for a while but there there is that appetite but they just don't really know what to do to the formula because you either completely change it and everyone gets mad or you make it the same and you know there's no innovation so then we get mad as well because we want something different or something new but alas that seems to be the star fox cycle that will probably get for a while we'll of course be talking about that at the end of, of the episode neil but until then Let's bring on our first guest of the show. Sounds good. Mike, who's joining us today? Joining us today is Bill Barber. Not actually a barber, apparently. Uh, we're, we'll dive into that. But uh, he is the co-host of Gaming and Collecting Podcast, a great podcast. Please check it out if you have a chance. I just listened to one of their latest episodes. He does it with his sister. They're great. But we're bringing Bill on today to talk about Star Fox Assault. Uh, but before we talk about that game, Bill, because you're a first time guest on this podcast, we got to ask you, did you have a GameCube back in the day? 
So I actually did not. <gasps> so oh I was actually a PlayStation 2 mm. kid. That's wow. okay. We have those on the podcast from time to time. We're not going to cut your microphone yet. So what was it that brought you into the GameCube, and uh, when did you finally join our cult? I mean, it's no secret that that generation of consoles in particular, the PlayStation 2 basically curb stop battled yep. everybody yep. in general. <laughs> so it's actually kind of funny. The area I'm from, because I'm, I'm in like the New England, Massachusetts like area of uh, uh, the United States, mm-hmm. and my particular town, for whatever reason, was like super Nintendo heavy, mm. like... Everybody had, like, like I grew up with a PlayStation, but everybody around me had an N64. And then moving on to, like, the PS2 era, everyone had a PS2, granted, because I swear to God, it was, like, the DVD player in everybody's right. house. Yep, yep. But um, everyone also had a GameCube at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I was always kind of, like, surrounded by the GameCube, and I was always, like, <laughs> it was kind of that envious stare, even though, objectively speaking, all every system of that era was, like, top-notch. Like, that's probably one of the most solid eras of gaming in general mm-hmm. the gamecube was always kind of that one where it's like i'd always see it and i'd always just want to like experience it because like for for a system that like really didn't sell that much nintendo really knocked it out of the park with their advertising and like pushing those games at the time at yeah. the time it's because of the handle that's why you really <laughs> wanted it clearly well then um uh smash brothers sure really. <laughs> two weeks after the gamecube came out you were you were hooked at that point basically well because it was like anytime you'd go to a, a friend's house back and they'd be like smash brothers mario mm-hmm. kart just like on repeat well that's the thing even it's funny with the gamecube we've talked obviously a lot about the gamecube on the show but uh one thing we talk about a lot is the fact that even the nintendo was pushing the mature audience at this point you know, the GameCube was supposed to be for gamers. It was supposed to be for uh, older people. It, it was it was like the teenager console rather than the kid little kitty console. They mm-hmm. still managed to put out these amazing multiplayer games constantly. Definitely. Like we just talked about Star. We just talked about Super Mario Strikers uh, two weeks ago, and being one of the best multiplayer games I've ever played. Honestly, it's pretty crazy that Nintendo still was able to to do that. You know, with those low sales, Strikers is a two thousand five game. And yeah, they're still able to put out quality in 2005 when the Wii was just around the corner. Definitely. I like the thought of you living in this little uh, community of people who think that the PlayStation 2 is just a DVD (laughs) player. So like they're in this sort of like weird mindset where you're trying to convince them all that it plays video games and they don't believe you. And that's why they have their GameCubes. (laughs) That's the funny part. Like anytime like I would go over a friend's house and I'd always be like, oh, there's a PS2. You want to play something? They're like... We don't have any games for it. I'd be like, like, great. So I'd I'd be like, okay, I'll go bring some games because I have plenty of those. (laughs) But uh, uh, do you guys want me to share my story about how I finally did get a GameCube? Uh, Yes. Yeah, please. Okay. So I've shared this one a couple of times because it's one of the most ridiculous things ever. So this, I didn't get the GameCube till around like 2010, I believe, Um, because I didn't start collecting video games like full-time i guess you can say until like 2009 um so 2010 was kind of around the point where i was really like going crazy trying to collect all the different consoles and this was also the point where gamestop uh was basically like just trying to get rid of them <laughs> they were like <laughs> just piles of them everywhere <sighs> and i remember stopping at the local against gamestop um that was near me at the time and it actually happened to have no GameCubes for like whatever reason and I asked at the counter because they had one on the back counter just sitting there. And I was like, what about that one? And they were like, oh, that's broken. We're not uh, selling that. It's going to get tossed. And I was just like, I looked at them like, I'll give you $5 for it. And they were kind of like, we're not supposed to do that, but 
we don't really care. So here. <laughs> so I remember I took that for five dollars because I was kind of like, you know, it's five bucks. If it's broken, it's broken. If not, yeah, I got a GameCube. And then I bought Melee for fifty because that makes sense. Wow. I know, right? <laughs> but um, the best part though was I take it home, plug it in, it worked. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> I was just sitting there going, like, did they not plug it in all the way? Or did they sell it to you with like all the cables, controller, and everything? Yeah, it it had everything. Wow. It, it just they claimed it would it was defective and wouldn't start up so i was like all right in 2010 though like at that point the gamecube was basically dead for like five years so it's ancient technology at that point people had even moved on from the wii by in, in 2010 mm. so like yeah the gamecube was really not retro yet but if you were asking for one you were definitely in the minority i would love to go back to 2010 and then go back to those shelves of clearance oh my clearance God. gamecube shelves <laughs> the funniest part about it was though <laughs> The the shelf of GameCube games, it was literally they were all like a dollar to five dollars a piece, except for Melee. That was still sure. fifty. <laughs> they knew. They they they're yeah. like they're like, damn it, we if this we're gonna sell this this GameCube to him for five dollars, we will get him on Melee. Yeah, pretty much. It's been a bit of a slow burn for the GameCube, unfortunately. <laughs> Melee was always Melee was always the heavy hitter though, for sure. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. That's Thank awesome. you for sharing that. That is definitely the best story we've heard about getting a GameCube. Neil and I just got ours for. Uh, for Christmas in uh, probably 03 or 04. It's funny. I bet like in 15 or so years, we're going to hear of kids growing up like in, in areas where everyone had a PS4 or, or a Switch, but they were the one with the Xbox One. Like that's that's going to be <laughs> yeah. that's going to be that reality is the kid that had the and they're going to know everything about that Xbox One. And I can't wait for those podcasts to come out because, you know, you know what the funniest part about that's going to be, though, they're literally going to be like, so what does it have for exclusives? And the person's going to be like, uh, <laughs> and a couple of Halo games, I think, which are now on PC. They're all on PC, so it has yeah. technically no exclusives. None. Yeah, yeah true. It's true. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Thank God they have Game Pass. Yeah, man. <laughs> a game that was an exclusive to the GameCube was Star Fox Assault, and let's dive into that right now, Neil. Uh, why don't you give us the, the stats on this to, to start off? Sure thing. Star Fox Assault was released on February 14th, 2005. It's developed by Namco, published by Nintendo. It's a GameCube exclusive, rates a 7 out of 10, priced today at around $70, and this would be basically a flight simulator action-adventure on-rails shooter, and this is the 25th best-selling GameCube game of all time. Yeah, it didn't, didn't take much to make that 25. Yeah. To... <laughs> no, right around a million units sold uh, to get into that top 25 slot. Yeah, but uh, of course, yeah, Bill, let's talk about, first, before we talk about Assault, what's your kind of history with Star Fox, the franchise? So, believe it or not, Star Fox 64 was actually the first N64 game I ever played. Sweet. Nice. Hey, that's a great game. It is. <laughs> it, like, it was the main reason I wanted an N64 for so long, just to play, like, that game because i was so amazed by like the voice acting even though it's like cheesy as hell and like honestly it's so bad it's good at this point but yep uh, there was just something about the way it looked and how like smooth it played and just like the rumble pack at the time because i mean this was before playstation had a rumble pack mm -hmm. well had rumble in general i guess you could say yeah sure the Star Fox on N64 is just super ahead of its time in terms of I, I love the uh, I love the voice acting at the time. I never thought it was cheesy personally. I thought it was instantly quotable. I thought all the characters were basically cart. It's like cartoon animals. Sorry guys, I gotta sit this one out. Yeah, you're basically dealing with like cartoon animals in in Star Wars, which is like it's like mm. the cool two coolest things on the planet, like cartoons and Star Wars being combined into this awesome game that has so much replayability 
playing it, you know, different branching paths. It had multiplayer. You could play on different difficulties. You can, you can do so much. And uh, yeah, like I can remember every line from that game. And uh, you say it was cheesy and it's and everything like that, but it, it was the best of anything that we've seen in any other game. I say cheesy as in like that kind of like, haha, this is great. Like yeah, kind the, of, good, uh, the good cheese. Yeah, like yeah the good it, cheese. there's a different there's a difference between Star Fox sixty four's cheesy and then like Resident Evil cheesy. Sure. Which is like an entirely different like level of like <laughs> amazing, but but after sixty four, did you go then directly to Adventures or did you go to Assault? So here's the thing: I played sixty four at a friend's house because I didn't own a sixty and an N sixty four at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't actually experience another Star Fox game until after I got my own GameCube, and I think because I was I knew about the series because I had played original Star Fox on an emulator uh, back in the day um, just to experience it. And this emulator was like overclocked. So the game ran like way faster than it was supposed to. And I was like, so it was funny because I actually thought the game ran that smooth. I was like, wow, this was impressive for the time. And then I played an actual card and I was like, oh, uh, okay. It's still impressive, but not, not what I thought. So I had a choice because I'd known about adventures and I'd known about, assault and i kind of went to a GameStop because they still had them for like nothing at the time <laughs> and i couldn't find it adve- no they had adventures but it didn't have the case it was just a loose disc and they had a, a complete copy of assault so i grabbed assault nice and what was your opinion of Star Fox assault when you when you popped it in do you think it it was a like a sequel to a a good sequel to Star Fox 64 what were your first impressions of the game when you popped it in I had heard about the the controversy with it and the opinion the opinion at the time I will say that it was not a great game mm-hmm. and I knew it was a sequel to Adventures because I had seen all the cutscenes for Adventures because I I was really curious about that one so I went into it with an open mind because I mean I I don't ever trust what I hear online when it comes to internet reviews for the most yeah, part fair. so I popped it in and like the first level is like I'm like this is great I'm like it's exactly mm-hmm. what I thought like Star Fox should be yeah, that's a honestly that's a, probably a good pretty good review of like the first part of it because yeah, it is very Star Foxy. The big problem with Adventures, as I'm sure you know, was that it wasn't really a Star Fox game. It no, was, it was Dinosaur Planet. Exactly, right. and so it was a it was a game that was doomed to fail. And we talked about Star Fox Adventures way back on episode 13. And before we talked about it, Neil for years was always you know hated Star Fox Adventures, thought the game was terrible. Uh, and, and when he played it again for the podcast, his opinion kind of changed where he thought, okay, you know what? Actually, this is a good game, but it's not a good Star Fox game. Right. That That's like the key thing with it. Like it's, it's good. Not amazing. Like as, as a Zelda clone, it's kind of like a B tier Zelda clone in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, the game looks phenomenal for a GameCube game and the world is really fun to explore, but the Star Fox like additions are super tacked on. Uh, the final boss is ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and the game is a little repetitive at times, I will say. That's kind of an issue with Star Fox games in general. They're mostly pretty repetitive, but they're short is what what, what helps with that. Like, yeah, you are just yeah. flying in a ship through space, through asteroid belts, and through waves of enemies. So there's not, And then there's a boss fight at the end of it. So there's not really much you can do except for get out of the ship, which is what they went with in order to extend the length of the games. But 
Um, yeah, like the average Star Fox game or the early Star Fox games could be finished in an afternoon. That was the whole point was like they don't get repetitive. The point is wanting to play it again to do different things and to unlock different different areas and to hear the characters talk to each other back and forth again and again and maybe get them to say something new. And like Mike said, Star Fox Assault is a direct sequel to Star Fox Adventures technically. Even though Adventures was developed by Rare, this one was developed by Namco. Uh, you don't really need to have played Adventures to understand what's going on here really other than the character Crystal. There's and not... the one level, uh, Saria, other than that. Yeah, they do go back to one level from Star Fox Adventures. But other than that, you don't really need to know too much from what happened in Adventures. You really need to have played Star Fox 64 and yeah. then this one. So it's sort of like a split sequel between two different games. It's really strange. Yeah. We did get, like I said, we got introduced to Crystal, and uh, not technically a new character. She's from Star Fox Adventures. But were there any other characters here that stood out to you? So it's hard to say because... There isn't so the only real new characters I can think of besides like the the Aperoids, which are just clearly the Borg, when you really think about it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, in terms of new characters, the only real notable ones I can think of, it, well, I guess is uh, Panther. Maybe <laughs> I guess. yeah, I was gonna say yeah, he was a really cool new character because uh, on Star Wolf's team, he's still got Leon. Pigma's dead, and uh, Andrew, his which is like the worst name. Andrew is like Andros's <laughs> nephew. Uh, yeah. he, he, he's like he got and worse. He dies too. Yeah, he, he dies early. Too. Yeah, he's the first guy to die. Spoilers for in this game. He he was so cool in Star Fox sixty four. He had a great like raspy kind of voice. He was more adult mm. in this one. I don't know how they why they de-aged him, but he's like twelve for some reason. His yeah. voice is his voice actor was really irritated. I'm glad they killed him off. <laughs> Panther was really cool though. He had like that rose that he had uh, like on his ship. I thought he was a great voice. He was definitely more interesting than like Pigma or Andrew, to be honest. Yeah. I think he actually fits in with the team dynamic better than the other two anyways. So, I mean, I, I guess Pigma from like a, a story standpoint makes sense because his whole thing was that he betrayed the Star Fox team. Yeah, he, he's like a rat. He went from Star Fox and he went to Star Wolf. But this game just made him completely worthless to the plot <laughs> basically they brought him back to make him into a boss fight essentially yeah mike i think i might know who your favorite new character is to the game do you have any idea who i'm talking about is it slippy's dad or yes. yeah okay. I, was, oh, I, I forgot for... about slippy's dad. um Bel- beltino Bel- is beltino why is he oh, italian look at me go i don't know he got he got wreck he got retconned out of existence in zero <laughs> he did <laughs> no and replaced, with, and replaced with a different character that looks just like yeah. What was his da- what was what was uh, the guy's name in uh, not Slappy? What the hell is his name? <laughs> Slappy would be so much better. I haven't played uncle. Star Fox Guard, so I don't know. Uh, it's like, Dad, you're the research director. You never told me that. Which is somehow Slippy knows nothing about his father. Uh, interesting <laughs> to see that that Beltino plays no role in his son's life. So going into the Slippy's uh, family tree here, uh, Beltino is his dad. Grip- Grippy, the name of the frog from Star Fox Guard, of is course. actually his uncle. So oh, okay. I'm, I'm not sure on whose side, but it. That's the weird thing about these Star Fox games is that the characters have no carryover in terms of their relationship to each other. Like, it feels like that they're always meeting each other for the first time. Or, yeah. Like, well, it, except it's... for um, Star Fox Command, with the, where the story just completely goes off the rails, but we don't need to talk about Command. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even played that one. I have no intentions of doing that. You're not, you're not missing anything. <laughs> good good to know. Thanks for saving me that 40 bucks. But yeah, it is weird that, like, Slippy's basically meeting his father for the first time. It feels like Falco is, like, he doesn't really respect Fox still. Uh, everyone's kind of hitting on Crystal, but not really. Uh, the only real, I guess, uh, proper transition from character from game to game is Peppy, who grows up with Fox's dad, kind of is Fox's mentor in 64, and now is retired in this new game. But other than that, no other character seems to really... It's, it's like everyone has amnesia from game to game. 
Yeah, like, I know Falco's kind of implied that he rejoined the team at some point after mm-hmm. after um, Adventures. Then they find they fixed the the Great Fox and made it like a different ship, basically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's something that we got to mention. Of course, Falco is back in this game, and he was absent from almost all of Adventures. I think true. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, like for the for the most part, which was uh, I remember when doesn't I doesn't he only like show up for like the the, the ridiculous final boss? I believe yeah. so. Yeah, that's the only time you see him. And I remember when I played Adventures, I was like, wow, this is kind of a cop out because. At least for me, like Falco is always my favorite, and sure. I think a lot of people obviously were like Falco's like badass, like Falco's mm. really cool, and so not having him in Adventures was a really weird move. So it was nice to see him back here. This game, I, I don't want to nag on this game too much because it is a relatively good game for the most part, but it does have a lot of cons. When I was playing it this weekend, one of them I found was just the HUD is there's so much going on on your screen at all times. Did you find this too, Bill? I was doing a little research into this game's development, and what I discovered is this game was actually, the, the team at Namco that developed this game was actually a lot of members from Ace Combat 2, believe it or not, mm-hmm. oh. which actually makes a lot of sense in hindsight for the uh, the flight segments. Yes, But the Ace Combat is a strictly flight game, and there isn't any on-ground segments, which I think is the reason why those are so complicated i guess is the best way to explain them <laughs> they they well the best way to explain them at least for me uh maybe you have an even better one neil but for me it's basically it feels like you're still in flight mode when you're on ground yeah it, it's tank <laughs> controls on the ground the tank controls or the the ground missions are a complete waste of game space really there's only 10 <laughs> missions in this entire game six of them are on foot four of them are in the air and uh like we said like the beginning of the game is phenomenal it's a great Star Fox level and they kind of not blue balls you, but they kind of tease you with what the game's yeah. actually going to be, where like the, the on-foot missions are sometimes two, three missions in a row mm-hmm. before you're back in the ship again, and two of those four missions in the on the ship are, I believe, the last two missions of the game, or the last three. So the game is actually on foot for the majority of it, unfortunately, and you're right, it is basically flying on the ground because... You've got Ace Combat 2 developers, you know, team who made a, a, a terrific flight sim game. Why not make them make a game that's completely flight based? I don't know why you'd even. I, I know. That's why you'd even think about it. It's, makes no sense. Somehow I feel like this was like, I don't want to brag on the guy, but somehow I feel like this was a Miyamoto thing. I think so I don't too. know why. I just feel it. it I feel it. <laughs> it's it's a Nintendo way, right? It's like yeah. like you know, always trying to do something new. And I mean, this necessarily wasn't new because we got out of flight combat uh, stuff or out of cockpit combat uh, in adventures. But I guess it was trying to refine it, uh, maybe because that was the same thing when we were talking about adventures. Miyamoto was very involved with the. Uh, with the rare team and kind of breathing mm. down their necks being like, hey, let's do something different. Let's actually make, let's use this Dinosaur Planet game as a Star Fox game. And Rare was pretty reluctant. They didn't really want to do that. And mm. of course it did end up showing kind of a, in the end product. I think a lot of like the the upcoming Microsoft buyout also had a lot to do with it. Like, cause I think Nintendo didn't want to lose another game. Yeah. Oh, probably. For sure. Yeah, yeah I, I hope to think that Star Fox wasn't another victim of the rare Nintendo split between rare Nintendo and Microsoft. Uh, but going back to the HUD real quick, which was Mike's mm-hmm. original point, it is incredibly, uh, incredibly cluttered. Like, there's so much going mm-hmm. on. There's always been a lot going on. Like, even in Star Fox 64, there was always the map on the bottom right-hand side of the screen. You've always had a health bar, a bomb count, a health count. But you've got a lot of other random, like, meters and things flashing and blinking and going up and down. And it's not always 100% clear what each one does like 
not not the greatest for podcast listeners, I guess, but um, <laughs> like there's one on the right side of the screen specifically where it's kind of like a thermometer going up and down from yeah. red to yellow. And I honestly don't know what that even does. Like it's there's like many of those things going on. I, I get it's probably ammo, I'm assuming. But. So oddly enough, this game actually has multiple control setups, believe it or not. Oh, oh good. Has anyone ever used the other the optional ones? No, I always <laughs> I went not. with the one. Yeah. I always went with the one that it came with. They somehow are even more complicated. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. Like, there's one that tries to make it like a third-person, tr- traditional third-person shooter, but it doesn't mesh with the game's controls. <laughs> oh, uh, weird. There's like a twin-stick shooter one, I think. It's bizarre. Like, they don't work at all. <laughs> what? Like, that's my thing with the HUD is, like, it, it feels... Because, you know, I'm saying how like, the, the land missions feel like the flight missions because the land missions don't use a different HUD. It's the same HUD with all mm-hmm. the stuff going on all the time. And one of the worst parts for me is on that left side there, there's like a, a vertical side scroller of saying of text that comes down, yep. uh, which is the most like annoying thing I've ever seen. I, I, I kept looking at it because, you know, your, your eye just naturally looks at text. If t- text is on the screen moving, your eye is going to look at it. And usually rolling text is at the bottom, you know, very, very bottom of the screen. Think like a sports casting thing or something. But this is at the top left vertical. It's so mm-hmm. weird. I've never, ever seen this anywhere else before. And I, when I was playing it, I was getting really frustrated because I just kept looking at it and then like, like, things would hit me. It's like, no, yeah. just stop. Yeah, and then you've also got the characters speaking, and you see their voice boxes yeah, yeah. on the middle, which is always, that's common Star Fox there, so that mm-hmm. that's totally fine, but yeah, it's it's very cluttered. It kind of reminds me of like after you you know a video game has been in and out of a lot of used video game stores and it's stuck with all these random stickers uh, from different yeah. stores. That's what it feels like because it honestly feels like a bunch it's like true. fifty different people designed every single thing on the screen, so not nothing matches. No, no cohesiveness, but not at all. Again, don't want to rag on this game too much, Bill. What what would you say are the the best parts about this game? So I think I'm probably in the minority where I actually don't mind the on foot missions that much. I will admit I prefer greatly prefer the like the flight segments. Sure. Yeah. But when I played this game for the first time, I really did not have an issue with any level. Like I had a great time from beginning to start, like when I first played the game. Granted I came to it years after the fact and I was very aware that the game wasn't what I wasn't going to be expecting 64 again, essentially. I will admit, though, like, so I, I think obviously the flight levels are obviously the best. Like the uh, the one where you kill a pigma is a great yeah, level. Of course. Um, but aside from that, like, actually, one of my favorite levels in the game, believe it or not, is one of the on foot segments mm-hmm. where it's um, the one in the space station that ends with the uh, the Star Wolf fight. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, anything with Star Wolf always is is pretty cool. Yeah, like, that's my thing about the on-foot missions, and I try and tell people this. Like, they're not bad. They're just not necessarily always fun, and they they go on just a bit too long mm. are the issues with them. Like, they work. It's not like that they're challenging or, like, the game just it's unplayable at certain points. Like, it always works, and you can always make it through, but you're kind of just running and gunning your way through it, and that's not exactly what... Again, it's like it, it works fine. It's just not what we want from a from a Star Fox game. But I, I agree with you. I think the Star Wolf levels in general are really cool, and the relationship that you build with Star Wolf and his gang towards mm. the end of the game, it's really cool what they did. Like you're not just a rival with him throughout the entire time. I also like how like one common misconception too is that the on foot levels are strictly on foot. Like generally, every on foot level has our wings that Vehicles, you can get in yeah. and fly around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
No, it's true. I, again, I would say the the on foot levels are better than adventure for sure. Mm-hmm. But I th- I think the the crux of it is the fact that there are these amazing flying levels in it. Yeah, and, that's the thing. You know, I, I kind of compare it to the Star Wars games of this time. So we have Rogue Leader, uh, which is Rogue Squadron Two. Then we had Rogue Squadron Three. Rogue Leader is just in the plane, or just in the yeah. X-wing the entire time, right? It's it's a amazing flight sim. They do it perfectly, and then Rogue Squadron Three kind of separates the two and it goes in this Star Fox mode of like the adventure style is there as well, but getting out of your cockpit and it's fine. Playing outside the cockpit is fine, but it just, because you've, you've gotten a taste of these amazing flight parts, you're like, Oh, but I just want to go back in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they threw it in just to have something different. They didn't t- take enough time to truly refine it. I would have, what's honestly sad to me is that because people always kind of are talking about like the next Star Fox game. And one thing I will always say is like, I want to see Star Fox out, out of the plane. And then I always hear it's like, well, you know, we, we had that and, and like, look what happened. But I was like, well, like we had one that was not even a Star Fox game. And then we actually had, we really only had one Star Fox game. We were fully out of, uh, of the cockpit, which is Assault. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I think it just needed more time to get refined. I think oh, if yeah. we had another Star Fox game outside, uh, it would get better and better if we gave it more of a chance. But, you know, there are a lot of people who are just like, Let, just give me Star Fox 64. And that's Nintendo's problem. You know what the greatest irony is, though? We've since since this game's release, there has only been three Star Fox games released and one of them's a remake. So let's <laughs> not yeah. not counting uh, 64. Well, actually, tech two of them are kind of remakes when you really think about <laughs> yeah. it. But yeah. <laughs> Command, strictly in the R-Wing, very, dis- very uh, divisive game. Zero is one of the worst reviewed like games of all time. <laughs> strictly in the R-Wing. It's like... Yeah, I know. Yeah, because they give us games strictly in the R-Wing, but then they, they decide to add some kind of gimmick to the game. Like the DS Command game, They the only way to control the steering is with the touchpad, right? And it's not an ideal way to play. And I they guess also... some, uh, a thing about Command, the actual R-Wing controls and stuff are fine. It's just the story and progression of that game is so ridiculous and just draining that it makes that game miserable to play. And that's tough for a Star Fox game, which is like probably one of Nintendo's few properties that actually has really, really good stories. Like yeah. they are able to kind of have great character development for the most part and have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right about that. <laughs> yeah. And have interesting characters like um, the Mario games or like mm-hmm. Kirby games. You think of that. They're, they're honestly just kind of fun games to play. You pick them up, you play them, you go through, you, you do your moves and you, you're done. And it's not about the story. It's never been about the story. But Star Fox actually is. And it, it, it tries to get you on an emotional level which is one of the reasons why Star Fox 64 is so good in so many ways. And that's kind of why it gets repeated all the time. Uh, and even Star Fox Assault has, like you guys were saying, has a really good story. There's a lot of good story elements. Uh, it flows pretty well in that sense, too. It is a short game, so we, we kind of get it quite It is best. surprisingly short, yes. how quick it goes by. Yeah, if you if you aren't dying too much, which uh, it's not that hard of a game, so you can probably finish this in, I don't know, four or five hours. I think I finished in like five. Yeah. Like back in the day. Five hours is the uh, is about the maximum. There's also an accomplishment too. You play you you have to play the game from start to finish without saving or dying, and oh. it, it's kind of a cool. It's called survival mode. I really like mm. that in video that's games. That's cool. I think yeah. you can unlock a uh, Zevius too. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So like stuff like that to make it a little harder. The one thing missing from this game is that it is just ten levels one after the other, and if you play it again, you're always going to play those same ten levels in the same yeah, order. Yeah, it's very linear. 
It is, and that that's too mm-hmm. bad because, like, again, going back to Star Fox 64, that's what made it so cool was seeing that solar system uh, at the beginning of the game and then trying yeah. to figure out how to get to each planet where this game does not have that. And we've been talking a bit about some of the sequels since Star Fox 64. The, the Star Fox 64 was also one of the last times where Nintendo EAD was the studio making it, where since then they've kind of farmed it out to other developers, good developers, not to say, like, that they've just take just kind of put Star Fox out to like the little guys, but like, you know, we've had Rare, Namco, and like even uh, Platinum with Star Fox Zero. I'm not quite sure well, what actually, happened there. One of the funniest things is um, Command and 64 3D were developed by Q Games, and Q right. Games was founded by uh, uh, Dylan Cuthbert, who was one of the original programmers on Star Fox. Right. So like you'd think that with those games, especially uh, especially the remake, but uh, with Command, like you'd think going back to the original, some of the original minds behind the game, it would do well. But like the studio hasn't done much else other than Star Fox. They've, they've done Pixel Junk, which I actually think that's a pretty big series. They've mm. made like dozens of Pixel Junk games, actually. <laughs> they have. But yeah, like I'd love to see Star, like even with Starlink, which Mike mentioned earlier in the episode, um, Battle for Atlas, like that game had so much potential to be a really cool Star Fox game where you can go straight from the uh, the skies from from space battles fly through the atmosphere onto the planet. You can fly around on your ship and then jump out as your character, explore around a bit, fight some enemies with your guns, jump back into your ship, and then fly back out into space. Oh, That's yeah. the type of thing that Star Fox needs to be able to do now, especially with new technology. Like it's it, it's what the next game has to be and. Just the amount of time that we've been waiting for a Star Fox game, I like to think that that's what we're waiting for, but I just don't know. To, to me, it's really sad, but I still think to this day the best Star Fox game that's been released since Assault is uh, Kid Icarus Uprising. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have compared the two because they're very similar on-rail shooters. Like, on-rail shooters in general are very rare. Uh, they're kind of uh, pigeonholed into arcade cabinets and now, more lately, VR. Um, but Star Fox is, like, the best. That, that and Kid Icarus, yeah, that was the... Um, the 3DS game you're talking about? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a good There's game. There's actually Star Fox levels in it. <laughs> now I think I need to pick that game up. Yeah, nice. yeah. That seems like it's, that's going to be my our recommendation uh, for this episode, Neil. But uh, uh, before we let you go, Bill, uh, we just wanted to quickly talk to you about your podcast. We'll let you plug yourself here, but we wanted to kind of ask, how did you get into games and just collecting games in general? So... I, I, um, so I was always into games like back in the day, like my first video game of all time was a, a game called Clax for the uh, Game Boy Color. I got Ooh. it Christmas morning. I got two game Game Boy Color and I got two games. I got Mario Deluxe and Clax and my five-year-old self decided Clax was the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but something about it just like, it kind of clicked with me and it was like, this is what I wanted to be like my hobby for like the rest of my life essentially and i kind of went from for a while i just had like the playstation consoles and then obviously nintendo handhelds on the side and it wasn't until 2009 when i like the internet was really big at that point and like i discovered like youtube channels like angry video game nerd and um classic game room in particular was a big one mm-hmm. and he did a bunch of videos on old sega consoles because I, I believe it or not i didn't realize sega made consoles for the longest time fair yeah, honestly, that's fair. But um, I saw his video on the uh, the Sega Dreamcast, and something about the Dreamcast just kind of, like, enamored me. Like, I wanted to know everything about it. Yeah. And I got one for my birthday that year as, like, a birthday gift, because that's back when you could get Sega Dreamcast brand new for, like, $20. <laughs> like, because nobody cared about the thing. Oh, man. And I got that, and I got Sonic Adventure 1 and 2. And it kind of, like, just went from there, because shortly after I got the Genesis, I got an N64, 
I didn't have any games to play on my N64 for two years after getting it, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, I got the GameCube, of course, uh, and it just kind of went from there. And uh, a couple of years ago, like 2019, I was working nights um, at my previous job, and I was kind of losing my mind. I needed something to get my like uh, mind off of it, so I started my blog on Instagram called The Barber Who Games, and I started sharing my collection there. And eventually I, so this is how I got into podcasting. Eventually I got um, noticed by a podcaster named uh, Cade who does the Gaming Memories podcast. He's, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we've been on his show. I've, I've seen the episode. That's how I discovered you actually. Oh, cool. <laughs> Very cool. But uh, Cade had me on as a guest and I did the episode there and it kind of like kind of got the itch where I wanted to start my own podcast and I've since guest appeared on his show twice more now i've met a ton of people in the community and i've been basically me and my sister alex we kind of our whole originally the idea was it was a gaming podcast that also focused on collecting uh the collecting part kind of it's more implied (laughs) than anything these days because we mostly talk about gaming anime just random topics like our goal is we pick a topic and that's what we're going to discuss for the episode and then we'll go on from there and it's been going pretty well we're in our second season now we're getting close to i think we're gonna hit oh, 100 wow. episodes we just hit our 100th episode uh, a couple weeks ago so uh, welcome to the club <laughs> nice. it's funny how yeah. like every gamer kind of reaches a point where they're like all right we're gonna start a podcast now like just, just some there's some switch some switch in your head that just flips there's something like you know someone inspires you to do something for us it was like a pandemic but uh there's always something where it's like you know eventually you have so we started ours post pandemic the second year (laughs) well not really post it was more uh, year two sure yeah yeah. 21 it's kind of funny how like all the gaming podcasters are kind of like intermingled now though oh very much yeah we're we we are a small community we definitely know each other look out for each other and uh, it's (laughs) everyone seems to be on each other's podcast at some point (laughs) because i i discovered you guys through cade but then I also re- discovered you a second time through Josh from Still Loading. Oh. <laughs> so, and I think actually, um, I actually I guessed it on a, a, a podcast a while back uh, with a Dave from Remember Sixty Four. I was I gonna say you guys. I, I've been. On, I was gonna say, have you discovered the back in my day guys yet? Because yeah, I've been on. I've been yeah. on the, the Remember Sixty Four podcast twice now to talk about Mario Kart and Diddy Kong. So yeah, those guys are great too. It is funny how it's like, it's, it almost reminds me of like a group of indie bands from like the same city or something mm-hmm. that like tour together. They like some open for each other, some open for the other bands. And it, it's really cool how it happens with, with this too. It's, it's really funny. Yeah. And like nobody lives close to each other either, which is really funny. So no. yeah, it's cool. It's, it's funny. Cause like uh, Dave's podcast is actually like where I debuted the GameCube story, <laughs> believe it or not. Oh, very cool. Cause he had me on, he had me on to talk about collecting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was gonna say, how'd you sneak a GameCube story into a Nintendo sixty four podcast? But that that makes sense. Uh, believe it or not, I was the first. I was the first guest, and my my episode was the only one that wasn't about a ge- about the N sixty four. Good start. That's a bold choice. That's a bold choice. I like it. It was a great. It was a great episode. Though. <laughs> nice. Well, Bill, thank you very much for coming on today, and yeah, we'll give you now your chance to officially plug uh, your podcast and anything that you're working on right now. Um. So you can find me on. I'm most active on the Barber Who Games Instagram page. I post my collection daily there, random pictures and stuff. And then our podcast is the Gaming Collecting Podcast. Um, there's an Instagram page, a Twitter, and all sorts of fun stuff. It's on all your major podcasting platforms. Um, and we post new episodes every Saturday. 
Love it. And uh, you did recently post, I think uh, a couple weeks ago, you had the Welcome to Springfield episode, and I'm a huge Simpsons oh, fan. Yes. And so I was very happy to uh, to listen to that one. That was great. That one was cool because we kind of just went over like the history of Simpsons games, which like the first half was all like <laughs> these games that I'd never played. And I'm like, just terrible games. There's and then it's so like, many terrible ones. <laughs> and then it's like I get to I got to wrestling. I'm like, hey, I remember, I actually played this one. I know this. It's still it's still terrible, but I remember this one. But those, those some of them are fun. But and then of course, Hit and Run is the the peak. game is the peak. It's and the peak. yeah, we did a a whole episode in Hit and Run and Road Rage. Uh, I think for like our ninth or tenth episode, I would love to redo nice. that one but uh yes once again thank you very much bill for coming on today talking about Star Fox, uh collecting yeah, no problem. and giving us a great gamecube story we really appreciate it yeah no problem guys yeah we'll talk to you again real soon hopefully we can have you back on and uh chat about some more gamecube goodness nice all right have a go guys all right take care man what a nice young man what a nice young man thank you very much bill for coming on bill not actually a barber on Instagram. Uh, he's got a great page, like we said at the beginning of the show or the, when we brought him on. And, of course, a great podcast over there. Please check it out. And, uh, yeah, um, I mean, Bill having that great GameCube story, mm-hmm. getting it for $5 and not – who who did not plug that GameCube in and check it out? Come on. Yeah, I know. That's unbelievable. Like, it makes you wonder how much – I remember when I was at EB Games the short time that I was there. Like, I don't think we tested – when people brought consoles in – we didn't test them in the store. We, we sent them out to like some other place to test them, which I thought was kind of weird. Yeah, like someone would trade in their Xbox and I'd be like, should we test this? And like they just plugged it into the wall. And if the light came on, that was it. You got your money, wow. like your 30 bucks for your Xbox One or whatever it was that we gave people for the Xbox Ones. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they're, there's not like, they're not like scientists in that GameStop. They're just plugging stuff in. If the light doesn't come on right away or if it doesn't make the right sound when you plug, I don't know, like they're just like, oh, it's busted, I guess. But uh, maybe the GameCube was working perfectly and they thought that that was a broken console. They were just dumb. <laughs> Maybe the GameCube was cool, Neil. Maybe it was, Mike. That's what we're here to prove. But yeah, I did I did love Bill's uh, story about discovering Star Fox on the N64, as I think mm. 99.9% of Star Fox fans did discover it on the SNES or the N64, and then probably backed away from it for a little while. Uh, they might have picked up the GameCube copy, and uh, then they uh, heard that there was a new one coming out on Wii U, and were uh, instantly disappointed by it, as most people were. There are supporters of Star Fox uh, Zero, but... Uh, are there? I don't know. Uh, I think they're probably... I mean, the, the internet's a big place, Mike. <laughs> the internet's a big place, and it's still going strong. And uh, something that is still going strong is this episode, Neil. We're going to keep yeah. on rolling with our next guest of the show, which is Luigi. And we've had him on a couple times before. I forget the last time he was on, but he was on for the Fantasy Star Online episode, and that was really fun. So <laughs> go and check that out if you want to hear his lovely voice again. But Luigi, who is your favorite Star Fox character of all time? Oh, uh, oh, Falco, hands down. I love oh, a, I love a snarky yeah. cunt. <laughs> oh, <laughs> very nice. He's a bit more subdued in the in the later games, though. He's he, completely he's, gone in adventures too. Yeah, he he he's like uh, I don't know. He he's brash in in like sixty four, and here he's just kind of like cranky and mean. Uh, yeah, everyone is kind of a little bit like sub- a subdued version of themselves. Like N64 is like the over-the-top version of everybody. And this one, they're a bit more <laughs> grounded. It kind of feels like the, the voice actors had slightly less time to do their VO or something. Like a lot of it sounds like first-take attempts, which is too bad. But yeah, Falco is definitely yeah. one of those characters that they're like, all right, let's take out all of all of the insults that he had from the first game. I'd like them to go harder <laughs> into the insults, if anything. Just let, let Rare like write his script. The Brits can probably do it pretty well. I don't know. They're they're really mean uh, based on like your your species. 
Like mm. they're, they're like, oh yeah, bird beak and frog face and <laughs> like, oh all right, settle down, guys. They're, they're seeing race too much. <laughs> I never, yeah, they definitely are. I never thought about that, like how. Like just like how like how diverse their team is, yet how like anti other species each character seems to be on the team. It's weird. <laughs> Very xenophobic. <laughs> there only seems to be like one planet of a bunch of dogs. The rest of the people are just you know different animals. Yeah, yeah. What happened? That was like the Bill guy from N sixty the N sixty four game. He was like this Hawaiian. Yeah, Bill. Bill. He's like kind of foxes. I guess cousin. I don't know what was going on there, but he's just like this Fox. this wolf or, or dog in like a Hawaiian shirt. He's very chill. He had a very chill vibe to him. I think he might have been stoned, but uh, he he was a good guy. I don't know what happened to Bill. You know, war does a lot to you, man. <laughs> you you got to deal with it how you can. Bla- blaze it up in that R wing, flying through space. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Luigi, I'm shocked that you did not pick Beltino as your favorite all time Star Fox character. <laughs> fellow italian beltino <laughs> but one of the most imp- yeah thank you yeah actually absolutely um actually one of the most important characters i guess he he made all the crap that you use i mean he you that's know, you- yeah i kind of called him like the egad mm-hmm. of the uh of the star fox world earlier on in this episode yeah and this is like the first time we see him really yeah, he's referenced in the N64 manual, apparently. So this is not the first time we actually hear of him, but Beltino is Slippy's dad in this one, and then we get to meet Slippy's uncle in a later Star Fox game. So the Star Fox series okay. is really just a big roundabout on meeting Slippy's extended frog family. Slippy is the main character. Secretly. Let's, let's be honest here. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, because he, he brings up his dad in the submarine level in Star Fox 64 to be like, hey, how you liking the sub my daddy made it you know blah 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 blah, blah. Oh, yeah that's true that's true that's kind of annoying though i, I would hate that if it, like like someone's like always bringing up their like my uncle worked at nintendo guys like shut up yeah it's not true at all <laughs> where did we get this frog from i don't know i don't know maybe he'll die soon frogs don't have great uh you know lifetime they're not not a huge lifespan on slippy they get targeted like within the first five seconds of every game. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, and and speaking of dying soon, well, Slippy's going to be around. It seems like for a while, but Peppy is retiring. What's happening there, Neil? Yeah, Peppy's no longer on the team anymore. He was old in Star Fox sixty four and Star Fox Adventures, and this one he's more of like he's retired, but he's still working. I'm not quite sure why they're still mm-hmm. letting him into the office. It's like it's like that he's <laughs> retired. He's collecting pension. It's a contract. Yeah, they just like forgot to like they forgot to deactivate his pass key to get onto the ship every morning so he still shows up even though they don't pay him i think it's one of those situations see even though rob is a robot he he's kind of shy and so he's not gonna like this this rabbit won't get off my bridge but i I just (laughs) okay i'll stand over here and you know send supplies i guess yeah rob and general pepper holding it down with peppy but, uh, of course, we did bring you on this episode to talk about Star Fox Assault, just the game in general. So what are your first kind of memories of picking up Star Fox Assault back in the day? Elation. Mm. I was absolutely... Ab- I Oh, man, I was so ready for this game. <laughs> so ready for this. I rented it because uh, at this point I was... Like, I had my first job. And so, like, I couldn't just buy games... Uh, so I rented this one, but I was super excited. I'd been waiting forever, like, like ten years. Cause what the sixty four, about twenty five years ago, it came out, and yep. that's what I did that summer until we got Goldeneye. Uh, was just play that game over and over and over again. I loved it. So I was I was stoked for this game. 
Yeah, Star Fox 64 was 1997, and then we had to wait five years for Star Fox Adventures in 2002, Mm -hmm. and Star Fox Assault was announced around the same time in 2002, but it went through a bit of development hell. Uh, we saw it oh. in E3 in 2003, but it was a it was a mess. Like it was janky. The graphics weren't great. The I don't know if you remember this, Luigi, but the reception around it was was rough. It was extremely negative. So this was 2003. I don't remember that at all because I, I would have been reading Nintendo Power at the time, and so ah. if they spoke about it, it would have been only the <laughs> it's you gonna know, be crazy. The no, there's nothing good about a game in this era that's announced in 2003 and comes out into in late 2005. That's uh, not a good. Or sorry. Early in early 2005 like it definitely had to go through some revisions uh which it did mm. uh but luckily they took the fan uh fan feedback to heart which was good because otherwise i, I think we might have had a different game entirely but it was announced in 2003 so you were waiting patiently for two years so what were mm-hmm. your earliest impressions of this game when you went to go when you went to go rent it you finally brought it home uh did you love it right off the bat i spent mm, i spent like all weekend slowly <laughs> moving through it I I think I forced myself to say that it was okay and that I that I was into it and I, I when I got back into playing it this past week and I just I forgot how forgettable this game is. Mm-hmm. It's that's a honestly that's like a good word for it. Yeah. Because so we we talked at the beginning of this episode about the first level and how the first level feels like the most classic Star Fox action. You know, uh, you're flying in the ship, and you're in space. It's amazing. It's just an amazing level. It's everything that Star Fox should be. And then yeah, the rest of the game is it's reminiscent of of Star Fox sixty four and yeah. Star Fox Super Nintendo's first levels. Very basically. much so, and it just feels like the GameCube version of it. And you know, at this time, the graphics were like, whoa, this is this looks really good. And uh, it, yeah, the elation is there, definitely at the very beginning. And oh, then yeah. it's just, the, it, it's not that it does things terribly bad. It's just that uh, it's forgettable. Like you said, a lot of it is forgettable. It, and I had played this game actually a long time ago. And in my mind, I didn't, and I always tell Neil this whenever we were at game stores, I, I'd see Adventures in Assault. I'd be like, oh, Assault, this is the good yeah, game. Yeah, you always pointed it, you no. always pointed it out to me. And I'd always be like, like, why are you always pointing this game out to me? Like, it's fine, but it's not like this type of game. I know, yeah, every time we see Assault, Mike's like, they got Assault. And I'm like, they do indeed. Oh, there it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, I remember really enjoying a lot of the levels. I'm not sure if I ever actually fully beat the whole thing because I never owned it. A friend of mine owned it mm-hmm. and played it a lot at his house. And it was a lot of fun to play as a kid, especially because I did play Adventures and did not like it at all. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, these flying levels are awesome. And I kind of just kept that in my memory. You know what? My brain decided what to remember and what not to remember, basically. Right. Uh, and I played it, you know, somewhat recently for this uh, for this podcast. And yeah, it was very underwhelmed in, in some aspects, but still stuff like some stuff like the first level gave me a lot of nostalgia flashbacks and, and made me happy while playing it, which is more than a lot of games can do, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I definitely did not beat it. Uh, when I rented it, I got to the final level and died a whole bunch and was just like, you know what? I, I really am not invested in this. I, I really, I, you know what? I'm just going to walk away and I'm not going to admit that this was disappointing, but uh, I'm just going to walk away from it. Like, yeah. I don't know. This game has like weird pacing problems. It's really long yeah. and slow and yeah, the issue it takes that- forever, which is so different from... Like the 64 one, which is this like choose any path, hidden paths get opened up, 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the story kind of unfolds no matter where you go because it's plotted out in such a way that like, hey, you might you'll at least fight Star Wolf's team once somewhere on the map. You know, mm-hmm. if you do it right, you can fight them twice. But yeah, it's like this smartly designed game. And this is this big, long, I don't know, maybe just it, it started the, the weight of the lore started to just become too much and they decided to do this like very serious drama but Mm -hmm. i don't know there's a lot of star fox lore if you look into it like there's there's every planet has its has its history the species even though they're only animals they have their own their own backstories as well which is which is neat but i you have to do a lot of like research into the manuals into the books and everything to really understand that you can also read i guess and listen to all of the not audio logs, but I guess conversations between Fox and the and the other characters to kind of get a sense of what's going on. But yeah, the first level and the last level in this game are particularly really good. This game is bookended by two really good levels. It's just those and eight, the fifth level, what seven or eight levels in between that are just like you said, unforgettable. There is a part where you do get to fight Star Wolf, which is neat. Uh, like it goes basically uh, in your ship level, on foot level, back in your ship, and then I think. The pacing again like you said like it would have been fine if they had kind of flip-flopped like on foot ship on foot ship that might make a little bit more sense because then it is mm-hmm. like you're you're flying around in the sky you're in the atmosphere you're in space now we need to go land on this planet and pick up this you know the the doohickey or whatever it is that you're looking for the uh, macguffin of the of that level and then go back into yes. the go back into the air or into your uh landmaster or, or ship or whatever it is that beltino makes and now you fight the boss but there's one part of the game that's around mid-range where I think it's two or th- three levels in a row that are on foot. And that's the part where mm-hmm. it's like, this needs to end now <laughs> or else I'm going to throw my controller out the window. Not because the like the levels are particularly difficult or anything or like it's not that they're not – Right. They're not. They're not like challenging. It's just that they're not fun to play. Oh, like you're just oh, this. Yeah, in consecutive order, basically. Exactly, because yeah. it's the same thing over and over again. You're fighting these lifeless characters, like either some kind of insect or robot. You have to kill eight or ten of them on the map to move on. You have to flip, you know, destroy the tower, flip the switch, and it's it's just not it's not fun. Yeah, and and like your teammates are still out there getting into trouble, <laughs> needing assistance. Ne- yeah. Yeah, like in one mission, I think I, you know, a handful, uh, I, I think like maybe in three levels, I, I lost like I lost Slippy once, I lost Crystal once, and I lost Falco once. And the time I lost Falco was because I was in some basement somewhere and he's out there <laughs> screaming for help. And I'm like, I, I, it's going to take me two minutes to get out of this building just to even be able to see you. Um, there are sections where like the, the voice act, Actors are just yelling at you to get into your ship. And I'm like, yeah, my ship is clear on the other side of the map because that's where they decided to drop it. And there's no other alternate places for the R-Wing to to pop in, apparently, because Mm. I'm down here destroying radar jammers. Um, You could just put one outside this, but no, no, I have to go all (laughs) the way back. It would have been great if they had taken a page out of the uh, Rogue Squadron games because I I, I, know, I like what you say mm-hmm. about how the characters still need assistance. It's like, funny are you guys that not you competent say pilots by now? Like we've been doing this for thirty years and you still need assistance. <laughs> I would like the ability to use the D pad in Star Fox to like tell 
like someone go help Slippy. Like, I don't want to do this. Or like, you know, someone else go help this guy. I don't want to do this. Like, it would be great if you could kind of delegate tasks well, come to other me. characters to do things that you don't necessarily want to do. I would I would love to be able to communicate to some of the other characters. Because like, I don't know what everyone is doing other than getting in trouble and I now have to go save them. Like, it's not fun. I, that, that's probably the one thing of Star Fox that if they are to go back to it, like, please take out everyone getting into trouble every 10 seconds. It's just, it's yes. not cool anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or at least take it out of like the, like all range mode levels. Like I get it if you want to, because m- most of the flying in this also isn't on rails flying. We, mm-hmm. we get level one, level five and level 10. That's it. The rest of them are some mixture of tank on foot and all range mode, which means you're in a, you know, in an arena. And so like, I, at that point, I don't have time to stop what I'm doing and go find someone who is behind a bunch of scenery just to save them to get back to what I'm doing. Whereas right. I'm getting lit up the entire time because <laughs> I'm trying to slow down and shoot all of these little things or you know radar jammers or whatever the objective is and just getting lit up. And, and I wish like I could call in some backup like Falco, get over here, you know, cover my ass. Like, right. Come on. It, it would be – that's one thing that I would love to see Star Fox in the future. Like this is – we're doing this episode because this is today the 25th anniversary of Star Fox one. 64 coming out. <laughs> the good one. <laughs> and and I would um, I would love – after 25 years, I would love to have a bit more of a team dynamic in terms of actual co-op with Star Fox. Like mm-hmm. I think you could do some really, really cool stuff with um, – even with like maybe online multiplayer, someone being Fox, someone being Falco and just going to missions together. It does seem like such a perfect game to do it where you have these great characters that everyone has affinity with and it's not just like everyone wants to be Star Fox. Like, not everyone wants to be Fox. You can right. be Falco. You can – if you really want, you can be Slippy. <laughs> there are Slippy fans out there, I'm sure. I even wanted to play as Star Wolf. Like I would like to be on the other yes, guys. Exactly. T- I want to see what those guys are doing when they're not – can't let you do that stuff. Like, what are they doing when they're not these mustache twirling, you know, villains just flying into, like, where'd this panther guy come from? He's cool, but, like, where'd you find him? Like, yeah. what's his story? What? Yeah, Star Panther. Like, what are you guys doing now that uh, Pigma's gone? And, like, now that uh, Andrew, Andros's nephew is now dead, like, you know, like, are you guys grieving from that? Like, what kind of adventures is Star Wolf going on? I would love to know what the villains in this game are doing uh, yeah. on their days off. I do love Leon. Leon is my other favorite oh, yeah. character. He's so, so cool. I love it. Like, he's like, got like a little British. He sounds like an old British man, basically. He's really neat. Yeah, he's cool. None of the the. Well, I don't know about none of, but um, Fox has different voice actors uh, in every game up to this point, except for uh, his voice actor was the same in Melee and Star Fox Adventures. But think- yeah, this voice actor is just flat, and like he's not getting good direction or something. Um, it starts to get a little bit better, and like the tail end of the game and like um, uh, some more emotion in his voice, but mm-hmm. like he'll crack jokes and there'll be no inflection or <laughs> yeah. timing on it. And no. just like, what, what is going on? Yeah. Like Neil said, someone just did like the first take read of the script. A lot of it mm-hmm. sounds like first take script reading for sure. And like, even the it script really sounded does. like, even the script sounded like a first draft script too. Like, I think it's all first draft everything, but <laughs> yes, the voice acting is pretty bad and it's also quiet. Like you can't hear it half the time, but I will mm-hmm. say that the music in this game is fantastic. Like the, it's all fully orchestrated. A lot of it are songs yes. from, from N60, the N64 game that have been uh, re-recorded with uh, strings and everything. And it's, some of the songs are new, even like a lot of the 
sound effects were originally uh, made for this game, and it, it all works really well. So the the orchestra, the, the soundtrack, and the sound effects in this game make up for the voice acting. It would just be so much better if we had those quips on top of it. But I do have to give a shout out to the composers of this game because they did a great oh, job. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, beautiful. I I wonder mm-hmm. is this the first Nintendo series game to feature a fully orchestrated score because uh I think Galaxy was the first time they did that for a Mario game. So I I'm wondering if it's this one. Unless we're counting Melee, which I think the levels in Super Smash Bros Melee might have been orchestrated they might have orchestrated the yeah, like when you play on true. Corneria. I'm I don't know, Mike, do you have any thought on that or I I can't picture the level now. Because I did, ha- I definitely had that that album of uh, live the live performance orchestra mm. for smashing live. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think melee would be like maybe like kind of that, but I think you're right. I think this is the first mainline um, Nintendo game, like not, not counting Smash or anything, right? Not counting a, a, mm. a you know a mashup game kind of uh, that would have a fully orchestrated soundtrack. Because yeah, mm. this this soundtrack is fantastic. Oh yeah, yeah. The sound the soundtrack is really good, and also what's really good too are the menu systems. Like what we always talk about this in the game when you first start up. I think it's really good. Like I love starting up a Star Fox game and feeling like you're in in the uh, the Great Fox, basically, like, uh, picking your missions and stuff. And that's the great thing about this game, too. Like, even though the on-foot missions are kind of rough, you really only ever have to play them once because after you've beat the game, you can go back and select your missions, which is really nice. And I did that this week to prepare. I just played the I just played the space missions, really. <laughs> yeah, I went back and played one of the on-foot missions and was like, oh, yeah, that's why this is bad. And then, you know, I went back and just played the, the fun missions again and again. And that that's kind of nice. You don't have to play the game from start to finish, which most other Star Fox games you you do you start on corneria every single time and then like i do that on N- the n64 game i'll just start right. up and play corneria and then bounce out and do something else i probably played that opening mission of star fox 64 100 200 <laughs> times in my life it's just so good but nothing like that really does come close in assault to me i do miss i love corneria no. it's just such a great mission they brought it back in uh, star fox zero unfortunately it, it's funny <laughs> you brought up rogue squadron uh, you brought up replaying this, but really only the vehicle levels. I had a mm-hmm. I had a moment while preparing for this episode where I'm sure a little bit of it has to do with the fact that I recently played Shadows of the Empire. But oh my god, like this, <laughs> the parallels are uncanny. Um, just like kind of, it, it spreads itself too thin. The the you know on foot stuff is not great um just like the the i get to so okay at one point i i i stopped playing because i i got to another on foot section (laughs) i beat the level and i was like i have to stop playing this for the night like i need to do something fun uh and uh and i got back to the menu and at the bottom it was like secret game i'm like oh bonus bonus game oh i wonder what that Mm, is bonus game and it's it's zevius this game was made by Namco, um, and and yep. Zevius is on this disc, and I was like, "All right, I can play a good game." <laughs> <laughs> is that and true? I don't no, know. I don't know if I have that. Namco made Galaga, and then this is their first like f- side-scrolling shoot 'em up, shooting oh. space yeah. shooting game uh, from like 1982. And f- at first, I thought it was Zaxxon, which would have made sense, which is kind of an isometric 3D flying game. But Sega made that, and this isn't Sega. So I was like, oh, that would have made a lot more sense. But still, uh, but it, the way to unlock it is to get every badge in silver. 
And I was already pondering the Shadows of the Empire thing, and that's how you unlock the secret ending in Shadows of the Empire, is find all the challenge points on on medium difficulty. Oh, wow. And I'm just like, you need to stop reminding me of that game. <laughs> they just tried to do too much with this. Yeah, I didn't even get to that point in this game. I think I might have just bronze mostly and maybe a few silvers and golds thrown in there, but I never even unlocked that. I didn't know that was hidden in there, and it's not on... No, I don't think it's on, it's not on my case, at least. Maybe it's on different versions. I have the bestseller version of this game, which covers the Landmaster with a nice, beautiful, ugly <laughs> sticker on the front center, which I, I hate that. But uh, yeah, nothing about uh, Zebius being on my choice. copy. All right. It's not even player's choice. It's still, it's still the, the black bestseller level. one. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, yeah, they weirdly had like two. They had like yeah. the player's choice, but they also had the bestseller sticker. So sometimes you could get the player's choice and bestseller on there, mm-hmm. which is the double whammy. So we have given Star Fox Assault a lot of crap in this uh, in this episode, but it, it isn't a bad game necessarily. So Luigi, what are some of the, the things that Star Fox Assault does really well, you would say, in your opinion? I uh, so I got to I got to level five and I was like, man, like I, this is really dragging on me, man. <laughs> and uh, and oh. Level five is just such a breath of fresh air. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I'm back. I'm here. I'm in a Star Fox game again. Um, you're in like an <laughs> asteroid field and and there's like some environmental. Well, I mean, they're also talking, but there's some environmental storytelling because you pass like wrecked wolfens and there's like, you know, chains of of enemies will fly by. And if you hit them all, you get bonuses and and all this good stuff is happening. And I'm like, man, why could you not have been this? But <laughs> I had a blast playing that level. That's of course the uh, the the pigma level, uh, correct? Mm-hmm. That when you're when you're hunting down pigma. <laughs> yeah, he's just a giant ship with a big face on. I don't know. He becomes basically Zordon <laughs> from Power Rangers. I'm not quite yeah, sure what? what's going on there, but the the bad guys are, are basically Borg, so <laughs> he gets <Yeah>. assimilated. <laughs> um, basically, it's funny. Peppy, because uh, he he has the MacGuffin. Pe- uh, Pigma's got the MacGuffin at this point, and mm. and Peppy is like, "Oh, the MacGuff, the we have to destroy that thing. The MacGuffin is in there." And I'm like, five seconds ago, you just showed me Pigma's deserted ship. We haven't <laughs> even checked that. We should look in the glove box before we like blow up and go swimming around inside a Borg cube. There is a lot of that going on, and there aren't. I feel like that there aren't a lot of boss fights in this game compared to. I'm gonna keep comparing it to Star Fox sixty four, which in my mind Obviously. has like fifteen bosses in it. I don't think that there's as many in this game. I think there's maybe six or seven, and honestly, none of them really stand out to me the same way that they do in the past games. Are there any boss fights from this game that uh, you think are the best? I didn't so much. My I fi- I actually did beat the final boss this time, and I mm-hmm. didn't so much mind it. Um. Yeah, they, they all kind of have these multi-level parts that, you know, weaken it. Or, like, the, the first level boss is kind of fun where you, you, you shoot off all the wings and then mm-hmm. you have to dodge it while it does a bunch of berserker attacks and, and occasionally shows you its weak spot. But, yeah, you know, I think I've always liked bosses in, in Star Fox games. So they're, mm-hmm. they're fun takedown scenarios basically so yeah and and i i I don't know even know if i made it to the aperoid queen uh when i gave up 15 (laughs) 17 years ago whatever it was um and so yeah actually fighting the queen was kind of fun yeah that was actually a pretty good boss fight it was nice to not fight andros at the very end for a change which we had done now (laughs) twice i suppose but 
What about you, Mike? Were there any boss fights that uh, stood out to you in this game? Yeah, I was actually going to say you you took a ticket from from me. The Apparatus Queen, the the final boss, is a really really fun boss fight. Very like a old school boss fight. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like I'm I'm playing on an arcade cabinet, which mm-hmm. is for me that's kind of what I want Star Fox to feel like when I'm playing. I want to feel like I am at an arcade. Uh, mm. And because that's that's its origins, it's like the that's kind of where they got a lot of their their gameplay style is is from arcades like Japanese arcades and and uh, the Taito uh, machines and everything, mm-hmm. uh, like the vertical shoot em ups. But yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it, it was a really uh, really cool fight because it was yeah, like you said, not Andros. And right. I'm always a big fan of uh, when when Nintendo. Uh, final boss fights aren't the same old, you know, when Mario doesn't have to fight Bowser, when Link doesn't have to fight Gandorf, and when Star Fox doesn't have to fight uh, Andros. It's yeah. always a, a nice little change. Yeah, this game kind of has you start with Andros, technically, because you're fighting Andros's nephew, who's kind of made this ship in the same style as his uncle. Like, it's very inspired by the Andros fight from the end of Star Fox 64, which is mm-hmm. also very sim- uh, similar to the Bongo Bongo fight from Ocarina of Time. Uh, yeah, Nintendo loves, they Nintendo. love shooting hands and in this, in this generation, man, they loved the whole shoot the hand, basically. You even fight Master Hand in Melee and everything. So something about hands with Nintendo boss fights in this era where they were they were into it. Now, our last question to you, Luigi, is between the two GameCube games for Star Fox on the GameCube, Adventures and Assault, which one would you personally recommend? So I did not get very far into Adventures. I, I borrowed that from... Uh, a fellow viola player and orchestra and brought it back. I really didn't get what was going on. And I wish someone had just sure. said, Hey, rare made a Zelda game. Mm-hmm. Cause then I would have been like, Oh, yeah. Oh, that's what I'm doing. Okay. Cause I just kind of fumbled around in that game. Cause I, I really didn't know I would, what to expect from it. So I I I would really like to go back and and check that out. Um, I think this is fine. Um, it it doesn't really work as a a multiplayer game, but neither did Star Fox sixty four. Let's be honest. I actually I played uh, a a three person match the other day and I won, but yeah. I got to the end. And I was like, <laughs> that's why we didn't play this multiplayer in star fox has never really worked uh they've always wedged it in to the games i know that some people can defend it and say that they had fun doing it you know doing it with friends doing it with family members and and it working but uh it's never been the highlight of a a star fox game you're playing star fox to play the the campaign uh Mm -hmm. single player i'm sure that it's something now with modern tech online play and especially with like local multiplayer with your switch i'm sure that it's something that could work now but uh, even if they came out with a Star Fox game now, I would like the focus to be on single-player campaign only. And see, I, I would honestly like it to be a focus just on multiplayer. I would oh. like them to to bring out a game that where the multiplayer isn't just wedged in. You know, I want a game that is focused on a multiplayer aspect of playing this with friends online or just playing with Coach Co-op. Because, yeah, you're absolutely right. Every time they put multiplayer in, it is just like this wedged in, you know, uh, very much an afterthought in the Star Fox games. 
I think that they've come close with what they did with Starlink, actually, where you can kind of, like you said, Mike, yeah. almost like <laughs> being like a Tom Clancy game where, yeah, you can play it alone or you can play it with friends online. You know, you have a you have a squad of people that you meet up with every Tuesday night and you go and you, you fight yep. in this system and you're going to go through this asteroid belt and you're going to go on this lava planet. Yeah. And you can you can break away and go do your own thing for a bit or you can meet back up with your team and, and uh and fight with them, but uh, yeah, I think that making it making a game that ambitious from Nintendo is never going to happen. And no. Ubisoft <laughs> trying to make Starlink, they tried, uh, they were close, but it was not what we needed. But Luigi, I think I cut you off there. What were you going to say regarding multiplayer? No, I, I just I think I think it probably won't ever happen. You're right. Mm-hmm. Um, it involves the internet, and we're just never going to be able to get anything good <laughs> from Nintendo when that happens. Uh, but yep. it also would be maybe the kind of project to get them to pull Star Fox out again. Because I yeah. Miyamoto has this thing about uh, um we can't just make the same game again, which is good and bad. Um mm-hmm. which is why we don't we haven't gotten another F Zero game because I think someone finally asked him about it at like an E three or something like five years ago and and he was just kind of surprised like oh do you want another one like what what would you want out of it like do the same thing again yeah exactly (laughs) just make another one again they 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 cherry pick franchises with that quote like there's no way that like like they put out the same kirby game every three years like (laughs) well that's not them that's I, how. That's true, fair. True, that's yeah. fair. But they allow it. They allow it. You know, they, you know. they allow their IP to be kind of created over and over. And again. they gave yeah, they gave F Zero to Sega, and it was perfect. Like, do that again. Yeah. <laughs> like, do it again. Yeah, it, yeah. it works. So anyway, yeah. Um, frustrating. Yeah. So I, you know, maybe maybe I, something cool like that would be great. It would take probably another Western studio to do it. Um, you know, but uh, I, don't, I don't know. I I would like to see another Star Fox game. And I think, yeah, I think you've got a good idea there. So call up. Uh, Thank you. Call up. Um, um, uh, Furukawa. Yeah. <laughs> or EA, yeah. <laughs> Luigi, thank you very much for coming on today. Is there anything else about Star Fox you'd like to say before we read the back of the case? Um, James has some sick shades, man. <laughs> That'd be Not great in this game. Be- Aviator Not mode would be great game. if you could play this game with like aviators on and all the characters mm-hmm. are wearing like cool sunglasses. It just can... turns into Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can do that oh, in 64. You can unlock the mm-hmm. avi- uh, your dad's yeah. aviators and you yep. can yeah. play on foot in multiplayer. It's funny. I wouldn't build a whole game around it, but it's funny. At the end of the day, keep the characters in the ship, please. Anyway, <laughs> let's hit the back of the case of Star Fox Assault, and then we will close out the episode. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. All ships report in. A new threat has risen from the darkness of space. The Aperoids, creatures bent on assimilating all beasts and machines into their corrupted hive mind, are spreading relentlessly, and Team Star Fox is the only one standing between them and the utter ruin of the Lilat system. That is all one sentence. I just want to point that out. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy. Bill, come on, Bill. Be more succinct, please, ball. Bill. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> it's a cool plot. Like when you think about it, like it's it's like an invasion yeah. of the body snatchers hive mind thing. Like it's cool. It's a very good idea. Mm. It's just not executed super well. Uh, it's a way to get everyone on the same team. That's for sure. Because I think yeah. that's really yeah. what they wanted to do was find a way to get all these enemies working together with you. Um, yeah. Which is yeah. cool. Which is cool because Wolf is awesome. Yeah, everyone likes Wolf. They should make a Star Wolf game. That's where I'm. That's where I'm gonna. That's where I'm gonna close off with my Star Fox Assault. Talk. Well, Luigi, Star Wolf, the Wolf Hog. (laughs) Well, Luigi, thank you very much for coming on today. We really appreciate all your facts and memories and everything about Star Fox Assault. And uh, hopefully, you get to uh, go back and. Finally beat the. Well, I guess you, you did beat the game, so you're good. You're good. Yeah, you no, I just to gotta go play Adventures <laughs> now because I make yeah. a Zelda show and I should probably play Rare Zelda game. Go for it. It's true. Adventures is a game, as we said earlier, that is not a good Star Fox game, but it's a good. It's a good just game in general. So I'd recommend checking. Do they? It out. Do they? Uh, it is Fox just as much of a like? Um, <laughs> I don't know. John Wayne character when it comes to women like he is in this one because like Chris he and he's I like oh worse, I don't maybe romantic relationships in these games is, is never it, it's only kind of cool in Star Fox 64 honestly mm-hmm. where like it's not Crystal what's the uh, I'm blanking now Crystal's Cat the, and Falco the, Cat and Falco yeah there's like a it's weird cute, like Hans yeah. it's like a Han Solo Leia situation going on where you're like is something going on with these two and you like it's just it's just mentioned it's not like blatant and it's perfect yeah because because it just kind of comes and goes and um mm-hmm. like you know we you know that there's some history there but like Ooh. yeah we're not gonna like st- you know go into it it, it it's kind of it, I don't know it's cute I liked it you want to tease the furries. You don't want to give them too much to work with. Mm. <laughs> it's definitely better than the crystal. The crystal in I will say crystal in Star Fox Adventures is can be pretty cringe because she uh, she is clearly wedged in there from a different game. Yep, and you will see, you, <laughs> yeah. you will see that very much when you're playing Adventures. But uh, I hope you enjoy it when you do eventually play it. And uh, I'll be for I'll be looking forward to you talking about it on one of your podcasts so why don't you plug what you're working on right now we'll see if uh, we ever make it to it because right now uh i hi i'm i'm luigi i'm on uh, a few different podcasts uh i make a show called chat of the wild which is a zelda book club show where each week we go we're going chronologically through the whole series we also mix in zelda likes every other season do like one dungeon we, we really get into these games and uh, right now we're playing Okami, and I really like Okami. It's other than the cricket, it's it's great. Um, Heard good things. I also make a show about speedrunning called Need for Speedrunning with uh, Jay Hobbs from GDQ and uh, my buddy Brad from uh, the HyperX Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, each each episode we break down a different speed game. Uh, we're also doing little side episodes where we talk about a game like on the whole. Uh, we recently spoke to Sinister One and Zallard One, who are most famous for their blindfolded punch-out speedruns. If you've oh, wow. seen someone play punch-out blindfolded, it's one of the two of them. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> so, including, like, the most famous one from, like, GDQ 2014, where he gets all the way to the end and everyone loses their minds, and it's it's great. Um, that, that was a super fun episode to record, just sit down and talk to the two of them about things. So That's awesome. And uh, I think by the time this comes out, I will officially be a member of Remember 64. 
Ooh, that's exciting. Nice. Congratulations. Are you the official like second chair now or third chair? How does that, uh, I guess we'll, we'll find out soon enough once it's announced. Yeah, the, the second chair, uh, playing second fiddle to David. So, uh, cool. yeah. Awesome. And Neil has been on that, uh, on that podcast yeah, already. I've yeah. listened to those episodes. I, I love it. Twice, yeah. That's a really fun, uh, really fun program you guys are doing. You're basically doing like what we do with the with the GameCube, going through the library, but you're mm-hmm. doing the N64. So glad to know that someone else out there is doing the N64 library from hopefully from start to finish. I hope you guys can get through it because uh, Mike and I don't want to do that. So <laughs> whenever whenever anybody whenever enough. anybody says like, oh, are you guys going to do the N64 next? I just point them towards your podcast because um, yeah, nope, you these guys are already doing it. So I am it's, not going to It's follow. up in the air as to whether or not we'll cover everything, but um, you know. Well, uh, thank you very much once again, Luigi. Go support them. And this show has a Patreon. Please support it. We do. Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. If you want, you can support us. And if you want, you can support Luigi in his many endeavors. But until then, we will see him on an episode very soon, I'm sure. So uh, take care, Luigi, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Excelsior. Take care, buddy. (laughs) Thanks, guys. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Thank you very much, Luigi, once again for coming on today. Uh, definitely check out his podcast, The Chat of the Wild, and uh, his great speedrunning, Need for Speedrunning podcast. Uh, and yeah, it turns out he'll be on the Remember 64 podcast too. So he is doing everything. He's I can't imagine doing three podcasts because, Neil, you and I can barely do one. But... Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a miracle this one comes out every week. It honestly is. But, uh, but yeah, we really enjoyed having him on to talk about some Star Fox Assault. Uh, always good to have someone on who kind of got this right away and, well, slash rented it and got to experience it for the first time. And, and interesting mm-hmm. that he thought it was so forgettable immediately. You know, I thought he might be like one of those people who played it, loved it, like like me, who just remembered the good parts, and then played it again years later. It was like, oh, this, this game is meh. It's okay. And I think that's the word that sums up both our guests' uh, appearances today, Neil, is them just kind of saying meh for this game. Very much so. Like every every Star Fox game has its fans. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that no one likes any of the Star Fox games since N64. Uh, and I can see people liking Star Fox Assault, mm-hmm. honestly. Like I do, I do see a lot of lists of you know people's top ten GameCube games or top twenty GameCube games or you know on the GameCube Facebook groups that we're a part of. Like people do mention Star Fox Assault and it being their favorite in the series or you know one of their favorite GameCube games. I don't know why this would be your favorite GameCube game. In all honesty, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I can see you liking it and having fond memories yeah. of it, but. There is just such a lull in, like, the the pacing, like we said, was rough, and, like, the on-foot missions are a bit hard to get through for, for, you know, fans like us. Like, honestly, most people do point that out, and, like, I don't think the game does take full advantage of the GameCube's hardware either. This, to me, does feel like a cross-platform game. It doesn't feel like a GameCube exclusive, really. I know it looks good, but it still kind of feels like it, it... it is from like another like a ps2 it also would run on ps2 or something i don't feel like it takes advantage of the gamecube's hardware the same way that like a metroid prime does like i don't think this game is anywhere close to a metroid prime it's maybe somewhere below like a zelda for sure but it's of the uh first party uh, nintendo games on the gamecube this one is low for me in terms of graphical power and everything i just don't think it takes advantage of the gamecube's hardware the same way that other games do unfortunately do you, but, uh, do you think that's namco's doing would you say in that sense then like them yeah. kind of basically taking assets that they had that they were using for maybe other games and other platforms and putting it on for for uh, star fox assault i would say so yeah mm-hmm. i think that that's just a namco thing because other developers did you know were given access to the gamecube dev kits and did a much better job i'm gonna bring up again sega making f-zero gx and that's one of the best looking games oh, yeah. on the gamecube so not only nintendo were capable of making good looking games on the GameCube, I think that Star Fox Assault could have 
done with, even though it was delayed by by two years, I think it still could have used some extra time to cook, unfortunately. But uh, I think Star Fox Assault is a good game and a good Star Fox game, but it's not a great game and it's not a great Star Fox game either. So we've had two Star Fox games now on the GameCube and neither one really, uh, <laughs> you know, blow my skirt up. But what about you, Mike? What are your kind of final closing thoughts on Star Fox Assault before we move into our official closing statements? Well, I think it's the whole package of a game and it's it's interesting playing it again you know, this year, because especially because I've been playing a lot of Star Wars games and stuff, and I kind of forgot the similarities between the two franchises and how Star Fox is basically Star Wars, yes. uh, especially with the characterization and everything. Like we, we did talk a little bit earlier there with Han, like how Falco is almost like Han Solo. And then, yeah, I, I would call uh, Fox as, as Luke. And then you have uh, uh, James McCloud is like his, his long lost father. Uh, of course, uh, Peppy is basically Obi Wan in this <laughs> in this yes. scenario, especially because he's kind of guiding you, like while not actually being there. I definitely got mm-hmm. big Obi Wan feels while playing this again. But I think again, it, it's it's one of the many games on the GameCube that has a lot of amazing potential to it, and there's a lot of really, really, really fun moments that I think make people remember this game, like I did. But there's also just a lot of very forgettable moments, like we've we've said many times already today. And there are, you know, this is a, a common theme in the GameCube library, especially for the late games, uh, more than anything. Mm. Because it does feel like these games are almost being shoved aside. You know, they're, they're coming out in 2005. We know the GameCube at this point is not doing that well, or not doing well at all. I should say the Wii is, is well into development and will be out uh, within a year. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's tough when I see these AAA games that we'll be talking about for Twilight Princess, these AAA games coming out so late on the GameCube because I feel so bad, uh, especially for the devs, you know, who probably worked on this is like, ugh, it's coming out for a dying console. It's like putting a game out for Dreamcast in two thousand one. It's uh, yeah. it's 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 tough to get by, and and it's too bad that uh, things were were this. Uh, it's too bad that the GameCube was in this state at this point in its life, uh, basically. It's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. Like, at 2005, the GameCube was past its prime in terms of popularity. And if this game did come out in 2003, I think that people would have different opinions on it. Yeah. But with that, I think that we should now transition to uh, recommending this game or not to the listeners. So, Mike, do you suggest that the listeners out there pick up Star Fox Assault for approximately $70 Canadian if they were to look for it now? That's crazy. That's gone up that much because it was I like know. thirty, I think, two years ago. Yeah, uh, like I remember twenty four ninety nine, twenty nine yeah. ninety nine at most, and now it's yeah, twice that. If you least. can find it for thirty forty, I would say absolutely. I would say this is a great mm-hmm. pickup for for that kind of price, and it's you know always nice to get a Nintendo game, like a first party game. I try and always find relatively cheap first party games for the console because they, in theory, will always go up in price. Uh, but um, if you find it for yeah, really expensive. Uh, to like $70 for, for Assault, I would probably pass. Uh, it, again, not a bad game, just not a game that has a, a ton of merit. Uh, 64 would probably be your best bet. Or honestly, in my opinion, the best Star Fox game ever made is Star Fox 64 3D on the 3DS. So Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. Save your money and, and, and spend it on Star Fox 64 or uh, buy the Nintendo Online Pass and play Star Fox 64 on the online service. 
that's where you can find it. I can't feel good about recommending a game where the best parts of the game are only good because the bad parts of the game have stopped. <laughs> and we, we talked about that with Luigi, about like how the on the on-rails flight missions felt so good to play because the on-foot missions had stopped. It kind of reminds me of like a Tom DeLonge joke where he said like it feels really good when someone stops punching you in the balls. It's like, yeah, but that's just because someone's been punching you in the balls. Mm. And not to say that the star – like I'm kind of using that as a metaphor here. Not to say that the on-foot missions are like being punched in the balls, but you shouldn't say that something is good just because the bad stuff has stopped. That's not a good – that's a bad relationship right there if that's what you're, uh, that's what you're dealing with. It's very toxic. That's like the definition of a toxic relationship right there. Yeah. So. I can't suggest Star Fox Assault, unfortunately. I will say that the game itself, like the box art we didn't even talk about, is pretty nice. It I would is. prefer it if I preferred if Fox shooting on the cover was not there. I would like like the space part to be a bit bigger and uh maybe him being a little bit smaller with the gun and everything. He's doing like the Han Solo pose, but it's definitely up there with being one of the better looking Star Fox uh, box arts. Uh, actually maybe the best actually. I'm not a huge fan of the N sixty four Star Fox box art, unfortunately, but uh, this is probably up there for me in, in terms of that. But it does have Screaming Fox, Neil. It does. That's on the inside <laughs> sleeve. It's the inside sleeve here. I have the case. Hold on. Yeah, it's got Fox uh, with horrifying shark teeth. I'm not quite sure who designed that. Well, maybe we'll throw that up on our Instagram page the day this goes up. But yeah, I don't know who rendered him there, but they gave Fox teeth for a couple of, uh, couple of years there, and it was really weird. But Mike, where do you see the future of Star Fox going forward? It's been about uh, six years since we saw Star Fox Zero on the Wii U. I've seen rumors of that game being ported to Switch. I doubt it. Uh, but do you think that we'll ever see a uh, a new Star Fox game in the series? Yeah, we will. That's I, I would say that's a guarantee. We will see a new Star Fox game at some point on some sort of system. Will it be on the Switch? I would say no. Not not yet. Uh, will it be on like the successor? Probably. And what will it be? I, I'm going to stick with my guns with the multiplayer. I know that probably won't happen, but I would absolutely love a Squadrons-type Star Fox game where you're just you know, have online multiplayer, have a bunch of people doing missions, like you said, Tom Clancy division style. Like that would be such a cool thing to push for the Star Fox universe. And who knows, you know, that you could make that a relatively cheap game. Honestly, I know Nintendo will probably never do this, but like, like that could be a free to play. Like that could be the free to play genre that they go for with like using that, like using the Star Fox method. Um, hmm. That would be really, really cool. Uh, I know they probably won't do that again, but because they can't get their online working. But uh, multiplayer in Star Fox, making it focused on multiplayer, but just because we've already had the best that they can do, basically, for single player, um, mm -hmm. I would love to see that. What about you, Neil? Yeah, as a Star Fox purist, I would just love to see a, a good single-player Star Fox game <laughs> yeah, come out again. Yeah. Honestly, I just want Star Fox 64 to look better and better and come out on newer hardware. I don't need Star Fox 64 again. I just need something like that, yep. honestly. I like where your head's at, though, with the online you know, multiplayer aspect, You know, joining up and doing a squadron thing. Like, I think that that EA Squadron's Star Wars game is actually pretty good, and something like that would be really cool. Nothing like that could run on the Switch, but whatever Nintendo does next, I want, I want Star Fox to be like the the good looking game on the yes. console like how every yes. console has like its graphical powerhouse game this i want star the tech fox demo. i want star fox to be the tech demo for nintendo uh, i know that that's because f-zero's dead so. <laughs> exactly like, f-zero's dead zelda's never really that to me honestly mario isn't like it's it's all the cartoony games that i love the art style of those games yeah, yeah. it's great but i like star fox to be like these animal you know animal and anthropomorphic characters mm -hmm. in space which is ridiculous but like the the ships themselves are all really cool like we have the starlink battle for atlas toys and the r-wing is just a really neat 
design like of a ship and it's really cool in hd flying through space with all the lighting effects of the planets and the black holes and the you know going into light speed and everything else like i think that star fox could be a really cool tech demo for nintendo's nintendo's hardware and we there are so many different space games out there like we just watched a couple weeks ago the uh the xbox press conference and a lot of these games like we're seeing starfield coming out in 2028 or something like that (laughs) and uh it could be really cool if this could be like what star fox looks like but it's you know instead of these you know realistic characters it's it's the animals it's the characters that you know and love and i would love to see uh some spotlight on star wolf i think that that would be really cool i love the star wolf team we see so little of those characters unfortunately in every game they're usually tacked on to a mission or two i think a standalone game for those characters would be really neat but by the time we see another star fox game it will have probably been close to 10 years since we saw last Star Fox game. So <laughs> yeah. no one will know what Star Fox even is by the time we see it again. So they'll have to unfortunately probably reboot it again. I hope it's a bit more of like the classic Star Fox formula and not Star Fox Adventures. I know a lot of people out there are waiting for a Star Fox Adventures sequel. I want them to leave that in the <laughs> dust. I would rather see Dinosaur Planet come out than a Star Fox Adventures 2, honestly. Yeah. I want to see Rare's actual vision of that game come to life because that was a big passion project for them that was turned into Star Fox. So... But, Mike, well, there's some people out there waiting for Star Fox Adventures 2 with bated <laughs> breath. Why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 103 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. On episode 103 comes a game, well, kind of. There is one game that people are still waiting for, the Hogwarts RPG, whatever that's I, th- I think it's Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah, that's what it's yeah. called. Uh, people are waiting for that to come out. But while they're waiting for that to come out, we're going to be talking about the Harry Potter games on the GameCube. There are five of them, Neil. There's the first four movies and the Quidditch World Cup. So I'm excited to. I own that game now, so I'm Ooh. excited to play it. Cool. And these games, for me, I grew up playing them on the PC. It's definitely, I think, the better way to play them considering of the wand. You know, you're, you're moving the wand around with your mouse a lot. Harder to do it with a GameCube controller. But still, it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about we'll have a couple guests on and um yeah it'll be a good time i'm very excited to talk about harry potter that's we're going to talk about the franchise in general too of course you know we're millennial kids like we grew up with the books (laughs) we grew up with the movies it's all very emotional and the, the video games fairly hit and miss in the 2000s unfortunately the games some were great some are not so great uh hogwarts legacy i think is going to be really really good i'm excited mm-hmm. to to see where that goes i think that that's going to be a great game when it eventually comes out from from wb so it's going to be an all-around harry potter fest episode so looking forward to that and looking forward to next week but until then ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for listening to episode 102 of the gamecube is cool podcast new episode every thursday on all the major podcast services leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better you can support the show by going to patreon.com forward slash the gamecube is cool all patrons get the show ad free and a little early thank you so much to everybody over there you can follow us for free on instagram twitter or facebook and you can join the weekly conversation on our discord channel just search the gamecube was cool share us with your friends and family tell beltino mike says hi thank you so much for the support and we will see you next week see you later bye bye Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. Sorry, guys, I gotta sit this one out. (laughs) Do a barrel roll. Not a lot of do a barrel rolls in this episode. I'm surprised that we didn't uh, bring up that meme more often. Yeah, we messed up. Yeah. We should do it. Let's start again. (laughs) We'll just start from the top. All right. (laughs) Cut it all. Cut it.